Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. I am Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Tom Martin of Let It Fly Media, formerly of KCTV5 in Kansas City. We're going to get Tom's take on the PGA Championship coming up next week. And also catch up with Tom. It's been a while since we've had him on the show. Find out what's going on with Let It Fly Media with the team there and their great coverage of the Kansas City sports area as well. So look forward to talking to Tom coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. And we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well coming up at the end of today's show. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, I got to say, right off the top of the show today, a big shout-out to our guy David Starr, who you hear on – our sister program, uh, Let's Go Racing with uh, David Starr. He had Jones Report logo on his race car in the Xfinity race this past weekend at Darlington. And he had one of his best races of the year, finished 16th. Jones Report logo, you couldn't miss. And I would like to think that we were we were good luck of some sort. So I appreciate David for letting us partner him and Carl Long be on that race car. But uh, also, I feel like it worked out well both ways, that, that we gave some uh, some good uh, luck of sorts to uh, his race team there. It's pretty cool to be on the race car once again, and we'll have some more races that uh, we're going to be working with them this year. So some pretty exciting stuff there. Yeah, I'd like to think that a little good luck charm sticker on there. Um, maybe, you know, I, you got, at that point, you got to just keep it rolling. You got to just keep the sticker on the car and keep, keep the win streak going essentially now the next thing i want to do tom is i want to have like what ricky bobby did of the uh the nutter butter sticker right on the windshield could we get a big jones report sticker on the windshield i bet david could still race well with that that wouldn't be a safety hazard at all yes you know make it work just you know make it more translucent and be good to go Maybe so. We'll see what we can do to help out do our part. But we appreciate David for uh, letting us ride on board for uh, Saturday's race there at a Darlington Raceway for uh, NASCAR Throwback Weekend. You can hear more on that on uh, this week's Let's Go Racing, which is available now as we were joined by uh, former NASCAR driver uh, David Rudiman on uh, this week's show. And uh, I got to say, before we get too knee-deep in today's show, Tom, I, I was just thinking uh, – you know, maybe we should do our part to help out Medina's spirit, uh, Bob Baffert's horse. You know, everybody wants to point blame at Bob Baffert. I mean, the fact of the matter is Medina's spirit needs help. Medina's spirit's a druggie, you know, and needs to go to rehab and get some treatment of some sorts. I think that it would be only us doing our part if we help Medina's spirits seek some treatment here. I mean, is that like uh... – AJ Allmendinger tours. <laughs> the AJ Taking the Peds. Ooh. <laughs> that's that's that, that, give that give that horse some Adderall. Put his ass out on the track. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> oh man. I mean that, that horse needs help. That horse needs to be held accountable. I mean, everybody wants to talk about Baffert. But, I mean, that horse, I mean, that horse has got a problem here. Right. Did they come out and say what it was? Obviously, performance enhancing, maybe. But, 
So they're, they let it, they let it slide. The comparison that I, I heard, Tom, the best way to describe it was it was to the same extent of remember when Ray Lewis got caught with that deer antler spray, that it wasn't a performance enhancer. It was a way to recover from an injury faster. And uh, I guess that was the equivalent uh, of that for uh, Medina Spirit was uh, was Ray Lewis and deer antler spray. Yeah, I mean, you got to do what you can. I mean, not everybody wins Triple Crown. You got to do what you can. Right. <laughs> Whatever it takes sometimes, right? Uh, man, gosh. And then here, uh, Bob Baffert blamed cancel culture. I mean, can I just start blaming cancel culture for everything that goes wrong? You know, man, I, I screwed up. I, I wrote the wrong graphic, put it on TV. Cancel culture got me. Sorry, guys. You know, I mean, like, is that just an excuse I can go to now, now that Bob Baffert's used it in that way? I don't see why not. Everybody else uses it. I mean, I would, I mean, it might not be the best method, but, I mean, it's one of them. Right, man. But we're, we're saying this all in jest, of course, uh, Medina Spirit. But what Always. I... What a bizarre story. Uh, you know, horses uh, tested positive uh, or banned substances a week after the fact. I want to go to the Kentucky Derby, Tom. Um, I think you and I are talking about maybe even going next year. I would hate. Oh, for sure, we're going next year. I would hate to be the better that bet on the second place horse. And you're wondering, well, am I going to get my money or not? Or am I just screwed out of it now? Yeah, I'd be asking the same thing. I'd at least ask for my bet back. Right. That's at least the fair thing here. And if I got my that, bet, or if you bet on Medina Spirit, you count your lucky stars. Right. Do you have to give that money back if they take it away? You're running as far away from possible, not taking any phone calls from uh, the, any bookies. You're exactly. Yeah, I'm not taking a cent. I'm turning, I'm throwing the phone in the river. <laughs> I'm throwing the phone near a van down by the river, uh, keeping it there. Gosh, that thing, uh, what a bizarre story. Next year, uh, we're going to bet on the winning horse. We're going to get our winnings, and that'll be it. If there's any controversy, it's going to be after we leave Louisville next year, Tom. Tell David to buy a horse, and then instead of a sticker – We'll just use a branding iron, and we'll put the Jones report on the side. What if we name the horse? Well, I was going to say we'll name the horse What a Horse. What a Horse? We could have two From our friends at Whataburger. We could have What a Horse, and we could have Cancel Culture. There you go. I'm here for it. As long as it makes us some money. Right. <laughs> That's the ultimate goal. Today, the NFL schedule is uh, released for the 2021 season. And, Tom, I got to give credit to the National Football League here for a moment because the NFL has made this a big celebration of some sorts, an anticipated day on the calendar. Yet, we already know the teams that everybody's going to play. We, we've known that for a few months now that. X team was going to play Y team and they were going to meet how many different times in the location it was going to be. It was just the dates 
that we were trying to figure out when these games are. Now, as we're taping this, we're still figuring this out as we go of uh, some of the schedules for these things here. But it, it amazes me how much the NFL dominates the news cycle. And once again, this case, I think they've been promoting this for like three weeks when the schedule's been released. And I remember being on the phone with my mom last night. I'm like, oh, yeah, tomorrow's a big day. She's like, why is that? I said, the NFL schedule's getting released. <laughs> I mean, this is the point we've gotten to now, Tom, with this uh, schedule release. This is a big deal. Uh, I mean, which is just mind-boggling that's the case. But uh, I'm, I'm all here for it. Yeah, I'm all here for it, too. And, and I can't say I didn't play a part in it because – as a Rams fan, obviously I followed their socials and um, they were having this thing where if you, I forget, it's like you, if you got the first game right out of all the opponents, then, and I think I did, I haven't got any emails or anything yet, but the Rams play the Bears on Sunday night football. I think you had to guess the opponent, uh, the time slot and, and something else. I, I forget. It's some other little thing. And it was free to do, but you just – they had an Instagram link, and I filled it out. I'm pretty sure I got the Bears right. I don't think I put first Sunday night football game of the season. Um, but that is Bears at Rams to open up SoFi Stadium with fans in L.A. So that'll be cool. Uh, and then Jones, I, I saw – the only other team that I saw, I guess, took interest in, our friend Harold Coots um, linked – out that little screenshot of the Excel file that said Browns in Kansas City. Yeah, the uh, Chiefs and Browns. I would love to do what I can to be at that game. Baker Mayfield versus Patrick Mahomes, week one, Sunday afternoon on CBS. Jim and Tony going to be there. That's going to be awesome to see those two pair up to start the season. And if you recall, they met in the divisional round of the playoffs, and Chad Henney brought the Chiefs to victory after Mahomes got hurt, and uh, you know he was able to pull it off there in that uh, final drive. Maybe Chad Henney should uh, get some playing time of some sorts, um, you know, as a as a memorial, some uh, some celebration of some sorts. Thank you, Chad Henney, for uh, your service. We all chugged a lot of Chad Henney Hennessy that night uh, when uh, when he pulled that off, but nonetheless. That's going to be exciting to see uh, the Chiefs open up. And I'll, I'll say this, you know, we're, we're not going to do on this show what you're going to see some of these other shows do out there of, okay, let's look at the schedule. This team's going to win this game. This team's going to win that game. Their losses are going to come there and such. What, what we've seen time and time again is that you can predict somebody's record, but – most of the time, the losses are not who you think they will be to. And the wins, <laughs> I mean, you looked at the Chiefs last year. I think a lot of people would have predicted that they were going to be 14-2, and two, right? How many of them would have predicted one of those losses was going to be to the Raiders at home? Nobody. Nobody and their mother thought that was going to be the case. 14-2, and two, okay, maybe they lose to New Orleans, or maybe they lose to Tampa, or uh, – you know, whatever it may be, but, you know, Baltimore or Buffalo, whatever it is. Um, so, no, I'm not interested in breaking down the schedules of where the wins and losses come from, but I am intrigued by these dates to see what they may be. Baker and Patrick Mahomes, this will be their third meeting 
And uh, Patrick Mahomes has won the first two meetings. We mentioned Chad Henney kind of helped him out in that, uh, that second one. But, uh, you know, you, you go back to the first meeting these guys had in college, and everybody loves to pull out that tape as if we haven't seen it before, where they went back and forth and scored, you know, 60 points and had a record-setting day for both teams and kind of, you know, set path for the future. And John Dorsey ended up drafting both guys, uh, one to Kansas City and one to Cleveland, obviously. But that, to me, is going to be a phenomenal start to the year. Uh, you look at the other games, the other week one slate uh, that stands out to me. Opening night, Dallas taking on Tampa Bay. Thursday night football we're going to see the, the Bucs get their Super Bowl rings and they get to welcome America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, to do it. Dak versus Brady to open up the year. I'm all for it. Um, some of the other games that stand out to me, Seattle and Indianapolis, that'll be uh, Carson Wentz's debut uh, there in Indy, taking on a very good Seattle team. Um, we're also going to see kind of a, a, an under-the-radar game that's interesting of sorts. It's going to be in that early window week one, the Jets taking on Carolina as we will see the uh, Carolina team led by Sam Darnold take on his former team, the New York Jets, right from the jump and see the debut of Zach Wilson there for the uh, New York Jets. Sunday night football, you mentioned, Tom, the Rams taking on the Bears. I would say that you know, the, the Bears have told us that their starting quarterback week one is Andy Dalton. That's what we've been told. The schedule makers out there said, no, your, your starting quarterback is not Andy Dalton. That will be Justin Fields. I would be shocked, Tom, if that Sunday night game is not Matt Stafford versus Justin Fields week one. Um, Andy Dalton and, you know, the Red Rifles had a decent career. Uh, this is not a, a diss on Andy Dalton, but, you know, the, the future of the Bears with uh, that organization with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, their GM and such, is dependent on Justin Fields. They're not going to wait on Justin Fields. He'll be the starter week one. And then Sunday night, uh, so that's the Sunday night game. Monday night, only one Monday night game this year. Um, what we're going to see is that the Monday night doubleheader is gone now. Uh, ABC and ESPN are going to have more games later in the year uh, to spread out instead of having the doubleheader. Uh, so we'll still see another an additional game for them, just not the doubleheader. It's going to be Baltimore and Las Vegas in Las Vegas, the first game in, in Vegas with fans there at that stadium. And uh, Lamar Jackson coming into town, taking on Derek Carr and company there. Um, what it feels like in a sense, Tom, you know, of all these week one games with the Rams and the Raiders in particular, getting to host primetime games uh, week one, it's almost like they're getting a do-over, getting to open up their stadiums again. I don't think there's any new stadiums in the NFL this year. And so the new stadiums that didn't get to have fans, now they get sort of a, a, re, a rebirth of some sorts. They get to try again to have a, uh, an opening night of some sorts as they welcome in fans week one. And, and I don't have a problem with it, rightfully so, for them to get those opportunities, the Raiders and the Rams, to do that week one. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, I don't know how the Ravens and the, you know, the Ravens and the Raiders game will be. Uh, the Raiders have some questions to answer. And, 
And for the Bears, you mentioned that I don't think it's going to be Andy Dalton either. It's you, They don't let you play on Sunday Night Football week one to showcase somebody we've already seen a million times. Um, you know, they're going to showcase Stafford as a Ram, and they're going to showcase Justin Fields as the hopeful future, if you're a Bears fan, for Chicago. Um, I mean, that's too easy. And I'm sure they – I'd like to see how they did it. I wonder if they waited till after the draft to, to line up some of these games. Um, I, I would assume they would have had to have. Um, but <clears throat> you mentioned the stadiums as well. That's another good point. Um, but, I mean, there were so many different options, obviously, for, you know, the Raiders could have played any of their other home opponents. And, uh, you know, the Rams could have played any number of, Maybe even the Cardinals I saw could have been a potential team to open up against a division opponent. But um, I, th- I think it's only right that you mentioned that they get to showcase their stadiums week one with fans. Um, I sure would like to be in L.A. for that, but uh, probably won't make that happen. But with that being said, um, you know, be interesting to see how the Bears go. Uh, I think you're spot on. It's got to be Justin Fields and then. Um, again, a lot of questions for the Ravens starting out. To be honest, I think that the Browns-Kansas City game uh, could easily have been a prime time. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how the Browns defense does this year. I mean, they stacked it up in the offseason. So, um, I mean, that would be an offense versus defense type game that I wouldn't mind. I'll be watching that one for sure. Yeah, I mean, the Browns have a better defense than the Chiefs do, but the Chiefs have a better offense, and the Browns do have a good offense. Should be a great game, um, and maybe an AFC championship preview between those two teams. I mean, right now on paper, Tom, I think the two best teams in the AFC look like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. So uh, that, to me – If you'd have told me that – if you'd have told me that about eight years ago, I'd have hung up. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Times have changed on uh, that front there. uh, As far as that goes, Uh, you move on down towards the schedule. The uh, first true Thursday night game we get the Thursday night package uh, on a Fox will be the Giants taking on Washington. Still the football team this year. I hope they stayed the football team. Um, Worked out well for them last year with the division. But then you get to week four. And that's when things get really interesting, Tom. Week four, Tom Brady and the Bucks traveling to New England to take on the Patriots. This is Tom Brady's first game back in Foxborough, wearing a different uniform uh, on Sunday Night Football. That is going to be one of the toughest tickets to get anywhere in sports is Tom Brady's return. Probably the only time that Tom Brady will go back to Foxborough again and wearing that different uniform and such. Uh, We've talked so much over the last year or so, Tom, the story about the divorce between Brady and Belichick, who was winning the divorce. And obviously Brady is winning the divorce. But to see that and then the intrigue of, okay, is there going to be a hug? Is there going to be a handshake between Brady and Belichick? And how the fans going to react here? The game within the game here is so intriguing. This is one of the more marquee games of the entire NFL season. 
I don't think the Patriots are going to be that great this year. I think they're about an eight and eight, nine and seven team. But this is more than just who they are and playoff implications or anything like that. This is the storylines around this game that make this one exciting, Tom. Yeah, you know Belichick has a game plan. He's probably game planning right now. Because um, more than anything, I know he probably wants to be Brady. You know he does. He has to. Um, I hope, and this is not anything against Cam, but I would hope that Mac Jones is starting by then and we get to see what is supposedly the future of the New England Patriots go up against the past in uh, Tom Brady here. I think that would even add to that storyline of Mac Jones. Maybe that's Mac Jones's first start or something if it were that case. Man, I'd be scared shitless if I was if I was Mac Jones. I wouldn't want my first start to be against the the goat that used to play on the same team. I can tell you that. You want to you want to test uh, you want to test some nerves. That's how you do it, <laughs> right? Um, and then you get to the London games, week five and week six. Week five, we're going to see the Jets taking on the Falcons. Week six. Dolphins take on the Jags, and this will be the first time we've had international games in two years, and this will be the only international games that will be played this year. They're not going to Mexico or anything like that, but the Jags return to their second home of London, and how about this? Trevor Lawrence versus Tua, a rematch of the national championship from a few years ago. I'm I'm excited about that. That one is uh, is very intriguing to me. If you're if you're a college football fan uh, or a Clemson or Alabama fan, you're going to be fired up to see that game. Uh, you know the, the Dolphins obviously are going to be a clear favorite in that game, but nonetheless, Tom, that, that that's cool for the college football consumer to see uh, Tua and uh, Trevor Lawrence square up head to head for the first time there, Week Six. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I'll be. Interested to see by then if, if you know, Trevor Lawrence is, is making waves, potential rookie of the year maybe, obviously being the first overall selection you would think. But it is Jacksonville and the Dolphins are on the up and up. So uh, we'll be interesting to see. I'm just, for one, glad it's not the Rams overseas. Do you remember a couple of years ago, Rams-Chiefs game ended up being played in L.A. was going to be played in the shit show that was going to be Mexico City? Yeah, that was a mess uh, with that uh, turf that they couldn't figure out. I mean, how hard can it be to turf? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just lay down new turf. You got all this money. Just, I mean, I, I get that it was grass, but if you want the NFL to come, I mean, turf it real quick and worry about the grass later. Yeah, no kidding. Um, how about this? Thanksgiving, the Cowboys are going to take on the Raiders. You talk about two different fan bases here, two different national brands. Um, you know, two of the most hated teams in the NFL. Um, you know, I think the Cowboys and Raiders are pretty comparable teams, too. I think that they're borderline playoff teams. Uh, going into 2021 here. To me, Tom, uh, I feel safe in saying this, that 
this is not going to be a dud of a Thanksgiving game. I, I look forward already to uh, this Thanksgiving matchup. This is going to be one that uh, you, you, you eat your turkey and you want to sit on back and watch. Uh, take a nap maybe during the Lions game. Don't take a nap during this one. I'm guessing the other Thanksgiving game or one of them is, is it the Lions versus who? Um, we're, we're still waiting, trying to figure out who that is. Uh, but we, we do know uh, that the Cowboys will face the Raiders. Oh, so we don't know if the Lions are playing on Thanksgiving? Well, the Lions always play on Thanksgiving. We just don't know their opponent. Oh, why? Why do they let them play on Thanksgiving? <laughs> so we can all laugh at them and watch them lose. Uh, I mean, I guess. Don't get me wrong. I'll be rooting for Jared Goff. But, golly, if the if the Lions don't seem like they're playing on Thanksgiving every year, I feel like it's usually Detroit versus Dallas for some reason. Well, Detroit and Dallas never play each other, but they both play always on Thanksgiving. I guess that's true. They play each other at least once eventually, what, every four years? Not on, Never on Thanksgiving, though. But they do play. You know, oh. you, didn't, you didn't know Dallas and, and Detroit always play at Thanksgiving? I, I mean, I knew Dallas did. I feel like they would just opt in on Detroit just here and there, throw them in. But I wonder why they have the team selected like that. I wonder if everyone just took a flyer out and it was the first four to raise their – or first two to raise their hand. Yeah, I mean, I get Dallas. I get Dallas. I don't get Detroit. And even the Washington fo – the Washington football – it should be Washington football team in Dallas every year on Thanksgiving if I had it my way. And I'm glad you don't have it your way because I'd rather see them face the Raiders uh, instead. Um, we also know at this point the uh, Chiefs will face the Bills in week five on Sunday Night Football. That's a rematch of the AFC Championship game. So, uh, some – some pretty exciting uh, games so far to this point of what we know as uh, we're taping this right now. We also know that the final week of the regular season with going to a 17 game schedule, the biggest schedule ever, you know, as, as they're calling it, the biggest season ever uh, week 18, the final week of the season will still be on uh, divisional matchups. And we're still figuring out who those are, but it will be divisional matchups all across the board happening in week 18. So that's a look at the NFL schedule, what we know right now. Uh, pretty interesting to see how it all unfolds uh, here with a, uh, the first time ever having a 17-game schedule. We'll talk more about the NFL schedule when uh, Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, joins us for Coach Bo's Football Fix coming up later on in the show. Right now, though, uh, let's talk a little baseball here in the Jones Report. We don't do this too often, but some news this week out of Oakland that the A's are considering finding a new home. The MLB has suggested it to them if a deal is not done for a new stadium. And that looks like that will not be the case. The A's will probably not get a stadium deal done. And so Oakland... Uh, in a short period of time, looks like that they're about to lose the Warriors, the Raiders, and the A's. Uh, they're so fast because of funding, because they couldn't fund stadiums and, and uh, you know, get their stuff together. So, nonetheless, the A's looking for somewhere to go. And, you know, the obvious options out there are going to be Nashville and Las Vegas. 
uh, for, you know, looking at MLB teams. Portland's going to come up. You know, those ones come to mind right away. But as a show that, you know, operates out of the Midwest and right in the heartland, we'd be remiss if we didn't throw into the occasion some of the cities we're around. You know, I live in Omaha. We got an MLB quality ballpark right here downtown, about 10 minutes away from where I live in walking distance. Um, we could take in the A's right now, and, and I would be glad to have the A's here. What about Oklahoma City? We've seen what Oklahoma City's done with the Thunder, supported them so well, and, and has done a great job. And, you know, Oklahoma City's been a great baseball town for many years with the Red Hawks, who are now the Oklahoma City Dodgers and hosting the Big 12 baseball tournament and Bedlam each year with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State here. Um, I get it, Tom. The obvious choices, Nashville and Las Vegas, and they certainly should be a part of the discussion here. But I think when you look at these Midwest cities, you know, those types like the Oklahoma cities, the Omaha's of sorts, they've proven themselves. And to be viable markets, they, they certainly deserve to be a part of the conversation. I would love to see an Oklahoma City or an Omaha be considered for somebody like the A's here or any other team that's looking of interest. I mean, the Rays, uh, 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 no, no shot at our guy TJ, but I can't imagine the Rays being in Tampa too long either. Uh, I, I would love to see Oklahoma City and Omaha, you know, be, be part of the discussion of, uh, of being potential suitors here to, to host some Major League Baseball down the road. Yeah, and, you know, and if uh, Oakland decided to go to OKC or Omaha, hell, you, you keep the name and it still rings, you know, Omaha Athletics, Oklahoma City Athletics. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to keep the name, sure. I mean, that would work out. I mean, Nashville Athletics don't really sound good, but and neither does Las Vegas Athletics. I mean, probably be something like Las Vegas Aces or something, I'd imagine, which would be a bad name. Um, That's already the but, name of your WNBA team. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, maybe they can be the Las Vegas Spades. Um, <laughs> I mean, you got to cut the you, – even better, even better, a little pun on baseball, you call them the, call them the Las Vegas Diamonds. Yeah. But I guess you have the Diamondbacks. Right. So, and you don't want to be the Las Vegas clubs. So, rule, I mean, you could, I mean, you could, I don't know, you could, Las Vegas centers, I wish. Um, I mean, it could, you could change it up and be wherever, but uh, you also mentioned Tampa Bay. If the Rays were to move, I mean, let's say the Rays go to Oklahoma City, do you, you obviously changed the name. It doesn't make sense. I guess really, I don't even know if there's manta rays in in Tampa Bay, or I mean, technically Tampa Bay. I mean, technically Tampa. I don't know. I don't know about any rays down there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a marine biologist, or you know about what the hell's down there in Florida. And I'm mean, sure there's a lot of shit, but I'm sure they might have some rays. But if they change it to Oklahoma, I mean, did if you wanted to go with the, you know, the aquamarine life here, do you call them the Oklahoma City Flatheads, the Oklahoma City Catfish? I mean, Oklahoma City Lake Perch. I mean, we don't really have a whole lot. I mean, if you wanted to keep it the same and, you know, I, 
the Rays is a pretty, they have a pretty cool logo and mascot. And for what it's worth, I would like to keep it. If OKC was to get a team, I would like to keep the theme of whoever we get. Granted, we didn't, you know, Supersonics obviously didn't translate over to the Thunder, but um, maybe you call them the Tornadoes, maybe you call them the Lightning. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals are my favorite team because they've always been and ties to St. Louis and the Rams, obviously. But my allegiance to the Cardinals doesn't run as deep as the Rams does. So I would probably immediately become a fan. Yeah. Um, what would you call What would you call them, Jones? The team comes to OKC, what do you call them? Well, I, I think that – I'm calling it the Lightning if I had to pay. Of course. Of course you would. Uh, I would say this. The, the A's have such an established brand – um, you know, at the athletics, you know, we know, of course, with Moneyball and, and going back all those years, um, I think their brand is bigger than Oakland. I think you would keep the A's name and no matter where you move it to, more than likely. And it's not something that would be out of place. Like when, when the Jazz moved to Utah, they should have dropped the name. It makes no sense to be the Utah Jazz. Made sense in New Orleans. Uh, but they should have rebranded and come up with something else when they moved to Utah. In the case of the A's, that's something that can translate, that can move over. So I would say whoever, wherever the A's are. There's no jazz in Utah. Whether it's Nashville, Oklahoma City, Omaha, Las Vegas, Portland, I don't care. You know, the, the A's name's got to stay. If the Rays leave, then, yeah, you pretty much have to have a new name of some sorts. I, I would look at, you know, if you're going to name it, uh, for Oklahoma City, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe be like the, the Roughnecks or something. Um, you know, maybe have some some oil name of some sorts. I mean, uh, you know, the, the the Oilers or something. I mean, there's uh, there's all sorts of things that you could go. I'm not really worried about the naming thing per se. You know, that's that's so far out from me, but. The intrigue, I think the thing that, that stands out to me is that you have the fan base. And I know that, you know, Tom, you and I love small markets and, you know, what small market teams do. And to me, you know, you look at your number one goal as a franchise, you got to get butts in seats. And what we've seen time and time again, whether it's with the Thunder in Oklahoma City or with, you know, the Chiefs in Kansas City or whoever it may be. Uh, you know, the Spurs in San Antonio, you're going down the line, you know, Packers in Green Bay. You don't have to have the biggest city to support a team. You just have to have sports fans, and you have to have the, the dollars, the economy to build the right stadium and do those things. Uh, Oklahoma City. I mean, look at it. Look at it, though. You mentioned that. I mean, the reason the Rams left L.A. at first because no one was really supporting them. Uh, and they even got criticism when they went back because they well, they didn't support them the first time. And that's why L.A. went without a team for years. Right. That's, that's so, I mean – I mean, so some of these small some of these small markets can even you know have the success of a big market. Right, right, yeah. I mean, population does not equate uh, tickets sold. 
I mean, look at turn on a Yankees game or a Mets game, and, and look at those crowds. There's you know there's eight million people that live in New York. They're not selling out every Yankees and Mets game. I went to a Mets game back in 2019 that was not even half capacity, but pre-COVID times, and got in for five bucks a ticket. I mean, like that's that's what we're talking about here, folks. You don't have to population does not equate fan support, and so. I think what you see is with these small markets, when you are the one thing in town, like if they were to come to Omaha, they would be the biggest thing in town all year long. And people would be ecstatic about it all the time. Oklahoma City, I mean, you're not really competing with the Thunder because you're not going to play most of the time that the Thunder are in action. Um, You would be the biggest show in town. I think there's something to that of being the biggest show in town that's attractive that gets that community to buy in of sorts. Yeah, I think you're right. And and I'm sure they're weighing those options when it when it's coming to pick, okay, where do we move next? Do they want to go the small market route and be the biggest thing in town? Or do they want to kind of slide in? Nashville, they would kind of slide in. Maybe in Vegas, they wouldn't necessarily slide in. But, I mean, a lot of the the hype around this time I go to Vegas football season, I'll try to make a Raiders game for sure. I mean, who wouldn't? So, I, I think that the some of the allure to Vegas is that you have just so many people coming in at all time. Um, you know, tourist town, essentially, that – People are going to want to go to those things while they're there, and it just adds to it, and it's just a mix of entertainment, essentially, at least in my opinion. Um, but, you know, a smaller place, do you want genuine, I guess, support. I mean, from a fan perspective, money-wise, uh, you know, where are they going? You know, I don't know how necessarily far this is. Um, Oklahoma City, I would assume they would have to build a new ballpark city, though around um, Bricktown, but Omaha, you mentioned Omaha, I think Omaha would be another great place. I mean, they're already essentially a baseball town with that. Um, so I think that would be a great. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, Oklahoma city, you know, uh, you, you could basically where uh, Bricktown ballpark is just take that down and uh, build a new stadium from scratch uh, essentially is what you could do there. And, you know, we're, we're talking about two markets there, you know, with the the infrastructure, with the money to be able to do these type of things too. You know, there's, uh, you, you're always looking at, you know, markets also that have the, the dollars and cents to when it comes to advertising and, and those things around. And what makes Oklahoma City and Omaha each unique markets, potentially for a professional sports franchise or for major, you know, for Major League Baseball, you know, Omaha, you got Warren Buffett here. You got all sorts of billionaires and billion-dollar corporations right here that uh, could have that corporate backing you need. In Oklahoma City, you got all that oil money there. 
um, you know, with all those oil companies and, 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 you know, they're a big reason why that the Thunder are as profitable as they are and continue to be successful is because all those oil companies there. So on that side of things, too, that when it comes to financial terms, you have in those markets the infrastructure financially that some major cities don't even have. Um, and that's that to me is what's appealing. Not only that you have fans that are passionate sports fans that have proof that they will support something like this, and you have the infrastructure when it comes to facilities and such, but also the corporate backing here. It seems like a win-win. So I get it that Major League Baseball wants to look at um, Nashville, Las Vegas as their first and sec- second options, more than likely, but. Uh, don't rule out Oklahoma City and Omaha as viable options to a potentially host major league teams. I'd stay away from Canada, though. I can tell you that right now. No one cares about the Blue Jays. The you know, Expos were terribly supported in Montreal. And then you look at Vancouver. They didn't care about the Grizzlies when they had them there in, in the NBA. So uh, stay away from Canada. Keep it here in America. Uh, keep it America-made when it comes to Major League Baseball. But don't forget about the Midwest and the Midwest teams there. Coming up next, Tom Martin joins us here on Junk Sport. We'll get Tom's on the PGA Championship. We'll talk about the Kansas City. Later on, Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, plus our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. All that and more as we continue here on the Jones Sport. Stay with us. Joining us now, the Jones Sport this week. It's been a minute, but we're pleased to welcome him back. It is Tom Martin of Let It Fly Media, formerly a KCTV5 in Kansas City. Joining us, Tom, welcome back, my friend. Always a pleasure to talk. What's going on? Uh, not too much, man. Just staying busy over here, getting ready for a, a big week for our company, just like it was last year. We went out to uh, the PGA Championship at Harding Park. So get to be a bit warmer this year in South Carolina, so we're ready for that. No doubt. That's exciting for sure. And, Tom, I don't think we've had you on the podcast since you joined Andrew and Ben and those guys at Let It Fly. Tell us what you got going on there. You guys seem like are, are growing day by day. Yeah, man. We're um, Well, it's a video content agency. So we basically work with a ton of different clients and across different industries. And we're sort of their in-house team that is outsourced. We have a number of, rec- uh, of retainer clients, so people who come to us month by month. We'll do some big projects as well. We just shot an intro video for a local team that we're excited about. Um, you know, a lot of it's sports because that's, as you know, Andrew and I and handful of our other people is here uh, backgrounds, but there's certainly a lot more that goes uh, kind of into what we do. So we just like making fun, cool videos. That's, that's the long and short of it. That's awesome. And uh, you guys got a new KC Sports Network going too that was just announced a couple of days ago. <laughs> We do. Yeah, that was a big deal. Uh, big props to BJ Kissel for launching that. We got a lot of good guys from Arrowhead Pride who came over who I know are uh, very highly respected and we're trying to grow it. We have a lot of people who uh, played for the Chiefs who I know fans are interested in. And, and I, I think we're just trying to come up with a different way to do that local sports network. I mean, I used to try to write for one. I remember 10 years ago when I was in Houston, like, let's just do like a regional network. And it didn't quite go so well. And so over time, you kind of learn what are people really wanting from their local personalities and how do we get to them and how do we give them what they want, what they want. So I think BJ and our team's done a great job of 
making sure that we can do that for Chiefs fans and, and not just Chiefs fans. We're hoping to get some stuff for Royals fans, Sporting KC fans, local colleges. Uh, we want it to really be a, a one-stop shop for anything KC sports. That's awesome. And what I love that you guys are doing, whether it's with this new uh, KC Sports Network or just Let It Fly as a whole, is that we're, we're seeing now with corporations getting so big when it comes to media that there's been a loss of focus of, of knowing that, that person that's working for you, that we, these in this new age where you know, the, these startups are, are starting to connect back with their audience to reach directly to consumers. Uh, I mean, it's great to see you guys be uh, not corporate owned and, and doing your own thing here. I mean, that's, uh, that, that, that's the future. Great to see that that's really taken off that you guys are part of this, this new age of media in that sense. Well, I mean, I think if you if you have a following, it's it's what can you do with that? If, if people like what you're doing and in the case of BJ and a handful of the others we brought on, it's let's just give them what they want. Let's get a lot of the BS out of the way. Um, and our team did a great job of securing some sponsors who can make that happen. And once you have that, I mean, look at Levitard, man. Levitard mm-hmm. leaves ESPN and gets 50 mil from DraftKings. I wish we got 50 mil from our sponsors, but we're, we're doing good enough to make sure that our guys can comfortably create the content they want, can have discussions they want to have. And, and we're just here to say, do it, connect with your audience, make sure that where they can find you um, is easy and accessible. So you're, you're right. A lot of it is just cutting out stuff that might've made sense 10, 20 years ago, but has sort of aged out over time. And look, we're not trying to compete with the behemoths of uh, sports media, but we're just trying to give KC sports fans what they want. And, and do it in a way that makes the most sense for them and for our contributors. And I think everyone's really excited. The, the response so far has been awesome. That's great to see. Tom, the uh, PGA Championship coming up in South Carolina. Tell me, first off, what do you guys got going on down there? I know you're going to be there for a whole week and such, a busy week, I'm sure. What's, uh, what's on tap there for uh, this PGA Championship in uh, these COVID times, too? I'm sure there's uh, some, some protocols that – you guys let to abide by as well here. Yeah, just like last year. Um, this, so we're one of the PGA's big video partners. We're going to go down and just give them uh, a huge chunk of our team. And we'll actually have a lot of uh, team members back home too, working with digital and, and just trying to give them a full suite of help so that they can just connect with their fans on digital. And, and not just that, but also in the broadcast leading up, we've done some pieces. They're going to air on ESPN and CBS um, we just try to make sure that every base is covered for them when they have different storylines they'd like to touch on. I mean, a big one is that Colin Morikawa is a defending champion, and he was coached by a PGA coach since he was eight years old. So as you know, the PGA is more of the teaching side of the game, you know, other than, you know, the USGA is more rules-based. So any teaching stuff they can really harp on is good for them. So we've come in and, and just tried to give them a, a big help from a video standpoint to accomplish a lot of those goals. And it's a ton of fun for us, man. We love being out there and just having our cameras and going to town and trying to get the best shots we can um, and then give it to them in ways they can use it. So, you know, the, the COVID protocols are very real. Want to make sure that with fans coming back, you're going to have 10,000 per day um, that everyone there is safe. Uh, but we got used to it last year. The one thing, dude, is now I got to get used to people maybe getting in my shot. Whereas last year it was like, okay, it's wide open. In fact, Tyler, it was so wide open that you had to work not to distract people. So I have a shot that's in my viewfinder um, of Dustin Johnson, who was on the 15th hole. 
and I'm looking dead at him. And I think I have this great vantage point of a putt, but what winds up happening is I was in too perfect a position. So he actually looks up at my lens for one second, has to step back and recalibrate. And I didn't do anything, but maybe I moved like a little bit and that was enough to distract him. That's the beauty of having more fans there is that it all kind of blends in. So these guys can just block it all out at once. But last year we had to be very careful about not distracting guys, not making too much noise. So, so that'll be a bit of a welcome change this year for sure. Yeah, I mean, I went to the PGA Championship when it was in St. Louis back in 2018. And this has historically been, Tom, the forgotten major of the four majors. But it seems like that whether it's with you guys or what they've done, moving this thing to May now and such, the PGA Championship is really starting to get new energy of some sorts. I mean, people are excited about this PGA Championship, I think, more than what we've seen in a long time. I mean, the, the PGA Championship finally getting a, a fair shake of some sorts. You guys are a big part of that, it seems. Well, I, I, I'd like to think so, and I appreciate that. But really, I mean, you look at the PGA Championship, and you had huge excitement last year. You had guys like Kerry Haig, who set the course up so well. And we can look at winged foot. We can look at, you know, uh, you know other major setups in the past. And, and they've been kind of controversial, and they haven't, like, helped anything. I feel like the USGA's probably, you know, could have done a better job. PGA's done a great job of making sure that you get the most out of these tournaments. And I think Kiowa, it'll play as the longest – PGA championship in history. Um, it is going to be nearly 7,900 yards. And the way they've set this course up is that it's going to be a true test. I mean, that's what you want. You do not want all this folly leading up into the week about what's the course going to play like. And then it fluffs. I mean, there's a reason why Colin Morikawa hitting driver on 16 last year and Eagling happened. It was because they set the course up that way. So he could and allowed him to think that way and, and play with some actually exciting strategy. And I, I think that's to the PGA's credit for sure. And so anything that makes it easier for us to capture exciting content, we're excited for. And, um, you know, I, I think you're going to have some small changes this year that could be exciting. You now have range finders that you can use uh, for players who are out there. That's That hasn't happened before. Um, that could speed things up, I hope. You have your yardages down quicker. Um, and then at the end of the day, yeah, I, I hope the video content kind of connects with fans in a different way. Um, I'll shout out the masters because I think they've done a great job of investing in that and sort of seeing, Hey, when you reach fans with kind of newer looking stuff, that's going to go a long way. And, and you're not feeling so snuffy like they always have in the past. So I think the PGA, you know, we're appreciative to them for hearing out our ideas and, and letting us come along and just have some fun. Oh yeah. That's fantastic. You mentioned Colin Morikawa, the defending champion, part of this youth movement in golf right now, who are some of the guys that you're looking at uh, these, these younger guys you think that could tend to potentially get that first major championship here? Well, Rory's not as young as he used to be, but look at what happened this past weekend, yeah. right? I mean, and he won there back in 2012, the last time the PGA was held there. So I think he might be your favorite going in. Um, his game looks a lot healthier than it did recently. You know, Morikawa, he's gotten to see the course a handful of times now. We've done a couple of shoots with him where he got to play it. He got to kind of get a sense of where things are, you know, what the different grasses, how they feel when he's hitting the ball. Um, it's just those little things. When you have a course that can just be so disrupted by wind, you want to go with a lot of those guys who can combat that with controlling the ball. So I know it'll be a long course, but I like guys with strong iron games here. So, you know, guys like Colin, um, we'll see about Dustin Johnson since he withdrew from the ATT Byron Nelson, but you know, young guys, I mean, 
Victor Hovland's been in it every week, it feels like. So I like him. Uh, your boy, by the way, Oklahoma. Um, and then you've got guys like Cam Smith who've made runs and they have strong iron play. And, you know, even the Abe answers of the world, it might be a bit too long for him, but, but he's someone who's one of the best approach games in the, or has one of the best approach games in golf. Um, you know, for these majors, you want to see the big names in contention. And last year at PGA, that was exactly what you got. You got Dustin Johnson and, and Morikawa going neck and neck at the end and guys like Justin Thomas who are, you know, making runs late on Sunday. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty wide open in my opinion. I think you could say Rory's the favorite, but Quail Hollow was a pretty, let's it's not, it was not a stacked field for him. So with all the big boys out there, I'm really curious who kind of steps out early and shows that the course is not going to be too much for them. Now, with Tiger not being involved here, and he obviously wasn't in the Masters either, do you think this field can still carry the weight of this PGA Championship? Can we still have an exciting you know, PGA with the storylines that, that make these major championships great without Tiger? What say you as far as doing this thing without Tiger Woods for the second straight major? I mean, you always want Tiger to be a part of it, right? But, you know, I think – You've seen golf's popularity rise the last year um, with all of the horrible things that happened with COVID. I think if you're a golf fan, um, you did see some positives come out of people finding new things to do. And a lot of that was taking up golf and you saw golf equipment sales soar. You saw ratings soar for uh, golf tournaments that weren't up against uh, Sunday football. Those were some of the unfair ratings uh, downers, shall we say, but I think overall, you know, you have so many guys who might interest you. It's not like you just rely on Tiger or Phil. It's there might be 20 different people who like the Max Homas and the Joel Damons of the world who have big social media followings and love connecting with their fans. You have Tony Finau, who has a big following just because people want to see him win. Any number of guys can make it interesting at the end. So I think that speaks to, you know, where we are right now with golf. You have a lot of young competitors, but Guys like Rory aren't going away, um, and I'm excited just to see them in a venue like this. Uh, it's very rare where you're up against the ocean and you're not at Torrey, you're not at um, Pebble. Uh, it's something that's a little different, and I'm really curious how that length, you know, we, we talk about guys are hitting so far these days, 7,900 yards. I mean, that's going to be a true test for them, and we'll see how much they, you know, they're able to live up to it. I, if, I, if I'm having a pick, Tyler – I, I like where Rory's at right now. Um, I'm not sure who you have, but that's a popular one for me. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Rory as well. I really love what he did this uh, this past weekend and the way that his game has come along here. I, I would also look at a, a guy that's improved so much in this last you know six months, probably Jordan Spieth as well. We saw him you know take it, such a drop off from compared to the hot start that he was at in his career. Now starting to settle back in. Those are the two guys I think I'm looking at uh, as far as my, my favorites heading into uh, next week. Yeah, Speed's interesting. Um, another guy, by the way, we've kind of forgotten about Xander Shoffley, who's always competed in majors. He was there last year as well. Um, I think he could do well. But, yeah, Speed just – he feels like he's back. He's His numbers sort of show that. Um, strokes gained. He's been outstanding this year. And his putter's back. Um, you know, one thing that we gleamed, by the way, from just looking at the course and, and talking to some people there is you know, the, the putts are pretty straightforward. If you, can, if you can just get those to a point where you're not missing some easy ones, you should be able to compete. 
if your iron plays good. Um, so I, I think for good putters, it's going to be less of an advantage. You really have to have the irons working to get yourself in good position. Um, so, I, you know, it's Spieth, I'd love to see him win a major there. That'd be a lot of fun for me personally. I'm a Texas guy, so I'd appreciate that big time. Yeah, uh, I would too. I like Jordan Spieth a lot. I, I feel like, Tom, the if you made me find a bet that's almost a sure thing, and I know nothing's a sure thing, obviously, but the thing I would feel most confident about based on the way majors have gone the last few years, uh, John Rahm finishing top 10, I think that's a pretty good possibility at this point. Uh, that, that's where I would put my money towards if I had to put it towards one thing next week. But, but John Rahm had a kid, Tyler, so now you have to take him off the board, right? Isn't that how that works? You right. have a kid and you're suddenly you've lost your golf game. You have perspective that gets in the way. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So maybe not. Maybe that's, not, <laughs> maybe that's where it's not a sure thing then. But nonetheless, uh, he's played some real good golf as of late. So uh, I, I got to know. So you mentioned the ocean views. Doing video, this has got to be a, a dream almost for you guys if all, all these shots just make themselves almost essentially. Yeah, it's pretty great. We, uh, we got, you know, even just in some of the water areas, not in the ocean, we had shots of just gators swimming through. Like there's a lot of nature out there that makes it really fun to shoot. You, you never know what you're going to get. So um, it's gorgeous, man. And we lucked out at Harding Park last year because of the, all the trees and everything, just making it look great. Um, we, we like to think we're pretty good at what we do, but uh, it makes it easier when you have entire ocean backdrop behind you and I, I just, I'm really appreciative of the fact that we get to be out there on the ground and, and just enjoy this. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, I, I think working here has been nice because it doesn't always feel like work, but especially at something like PGA, it's even more fun. Yeah, that's, uh, that's too cool. I'm excited for you guys. A lot of good stuff ahead uh, in the future. And the PGA, you guys have been to a few PGA championships now. Going forward, I mean, this uh, this PGA Championship, you're going to go to my hometown in Tulsa for Southern Hills in a year or two, and uh, Frisco, that new course out there as well. I mean, the PGA Championship, the next several years, has got some great courses lined up, it seems. Yeah, you got Oak Hill in 2023, which, uh, shout out Rochester, New York. That's a beautiful setting, and they've just redone the course. So, I mean, look, whenever the PGA calls us up and says, come out and shoot, we're going to do it. Um, they're just, they've been an awesome partner. And I, I gotta be honest, like I really liked golf before we started working with them. And and now I'm literally the weirdest golf nut. I go play all the time. I look up all this stuff. I watch my fiance is like, can you stop watching golf? I'm like, well, maybe. And then I try to sneak it on my phone. Like it's, it's become a bit of an obsession, but you know, I, it's a lifelong game, right? Like that's my excuse is I'll just be doing this forever. It's a good social thing to know. Um, I'm excited. It's, it's again, the PGA championship, like you said, the reputation sometimes hasn't been there. And I think in recent years, I don't know why I think it's been an awesome tournament. And I think when you have the international field that they have, that's even better. Not to mention, I love watching the, uh, the team of 20 guys. You have these PGA pros who are nobodies to most of us out there right. and they get to actually compete with the big names and we'll see if any of them make the cut. I think uh Kiowa is a pretty tough place, but maybe one or two are up to it. Maybe so. Maybe so. Now, you mentioned with your golf game, have you gotten a chance to get to play this course you guys are going to? Are you going to get that opportunity at all? Oh, probably not with our schedule. I wish. Um, usually they'll have media come out and play the following day, the Monday after the Sunday. And uh, last year it didn't work out. Someday I will. Um, then again, I don't know if they want to have me do that. 
because it might take six hours to get through with all the balls I'll put in the water. I did see today, Tyler, there was a guy who showed up to a Monday qualifier trying to get some exemption into a tournament for the Corn Ferry Tour. And his first four holes, he went 10, 10, 10, 8, and uh, they kicked him off. That would probably be me if I'm playing <laughs> Kiowa, so no need to go there. Uh, maybe uh, there might be a nine in there. Uh, <laughs> give yourself a break there. Well, that's exciting. Uh, where can people see all the stuff you guys are doing uh, there uh, next week from the PGA Championship top? Yeah, you'll see it on the broadcast on ESPN and on CBS um, Thursday through Sunday. You'll see a couple of stories that we're going to do and some videos that are going to air. And then PGA social channels, PGA and PGA Championship, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. They're going to load it up with everything. So, um, And we'll share some of our stuff on our channels too at Let It Fly Media. But just go follow and retweet and like and share all the PGA stuff because uh, that'd be a small token of appreciation to us. We'd love it. Now. Tom, a while back, I, I can't remember if it was getting ready for this year or it was last year, you had an exchange with the Jim Nance, two Houston guys, right? I did. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, we got to do a story with a, a longtime friend of his who had passed recently, and we showed it to him, and, and he liked it, and we just started talking about basic stuff. We were hanging with him for a little bit, doing some um, work for the highlight show for the PGA, and I mentioned uh, that I was from Houston, and he, you know, someone in, in our group was like, yeah, Tom had something to do with that story. And I'm trying to brush it off. And Jim goes, oh, well, I enjoyed that. And Tom, keep doing it for H-Town. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Jim, like to my heart, right in the heartstrings. That was, uh, he was cool. He's just the smoothest guy. And anytime he sees some of the pros, Ricky Fowler walked by last year and they're just chatting it up like buddy, buddy. He's just super easy to get along with. And He's an icon, man. He's a legend. He's done it forever. And he's uh, got the Houston tie-in, so that's nice. Yeah, the, the, the best. Uh, I love Jim Nance. Uh, always a pleasure uh, seeing him on the call for these uh, great golf tournaments. And uh, we mentioned that you're, you guys are based in Kansas City, of course. Uh, tell me, uh, just uh, what's the vibe right now in, in the offseason there for the Chiefs uh, after the draft and everything? I know that you've been following closely, Tom. How are people feeling uh, right now in, in KC? I think people are pretty pumped. Um, the big question was the offensive line and they went and got, I think, was it six new linemen, seven new linemen, something like that. They've just totally rebuilt it with good players and some exciting rookies. So, um, I mean, you think about it, anytime you have Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill, you're not really going to worry too much. Uh, and the division around them doesn't look that much better. So, I don't know. I Why think of anything less than 13 wins, a trip to the AFC Championship game, and to do it at Arrowhead Stadium? I think that's the expectation every year with Mahomes until some big name goes uh, goes leaving. So I, it's excitement, man. It's nice. Don't even worry about it. You just get to wake up and get to the fall and have another exciting football season. Now, with, with the, the Chiefs hat, uh, I, I assume that uh, you've dismissed the uh, the Texans now, too, and we, we don't talk uh, the about who? You've dismissed the Texans now? The who? Case? Right. The who? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I Man, I seriously, I tried to hang on. And with everything, like, it's amazing how much bad is going on. And I'm not even talking about Deshaun Watson, and that's horrific. Like, there's right. enough bad with that team. No one should pay any money to go watch them play. No one should watch them on TV. 
Just forget they exist. And I, that'd be my plea for anyone in Houston, go find a different team for a couple of years and, and let yourself live happier. I think that's the message. That's a good way to live by. Uh, <laughs> great advice for the folks in, uh, in Houston to take on. Now, uh, the news came out just a day or two. LDT's coming back uh, after being off, you know, with uh, helping out as a doctor with COVID patients and such. Uh, how cool a story is that? We're, we always, you know, are storytellers looking for stuff. I mean, that right there with LDT and, and what he did this past year, just incredible to see. And, and uh, his return, I imagine, could be very welcomed uh, back to Kansas City here. Yeah. Oh, I think people love me. He's going to have to fight for a spot, though, <laughs> the way they've drafted. And they got a right guard out of Tennessee they like a lot named Trey Smith. So he'll he'll have to earn his spot back. But you can't dismiss or, or, or overlook what he did last year, um, especially for people who who knew people affected, you know, by the disease. I mean, any time you came across any first responder or any healthcare frontline worker, um, it was incredible the temperament they had doctors having to talk to people every day about these things that are so unfamiliar to family members that are happening to their loved ones and maintaining their composure and, and then obviously doing their work and trying to help save their lives. I mean, that, that to me is incredible. It touches me pretty personally. And um, you know, I, I, I have so much respect. If I go get a chief's Jersey before Mahomes, I'd get an LDT one just for everything he did. I mean that like he, mm-hmm. I think that's so incredible and I hope he gets to play. I hope he didn't feel like he cost himself, three or four more years of an NFL career. Cause he's still really good. Um, I'd, I'd cheer for him as much as anyone. I think he's the man. I hope Goodell lets him uh, put doctor finally on the back of his jersey. <laughs> he's, he's not gonna, he's, he doesn't have fun. Tyler. We know this. He's, he's not fun. That's not how he rolls, but he'd deserve it. He should. he should. Absolutely. Now you as a Mizzou guy, I imagine you're pretty excited about Nick Bolton coming to town too. What's Nick Bolton bringing to the Chiefs? Oh, he brings the hurt. That dude hits man. He it's funny. Cause like, some people looked at his testing and they're thinking, well, his numbers could have been better as an athlete and this and that. And I understand not wanting to take a linebacker too high up. They had the need and Nick Bolton is a really good player. And it's one of those things where I love analytics. I love getting into the actual stats behind the story, but I do leave room for just knows where to be, how to make tackles, how to call plays, how to help lead. I think they just found their replacement for Anthony Hitchens and, and that might not come this year, but down the line, you don't have to worry about that position for a long time based on what I know about Nick Bolton. I think he's a great player and he has the type of attitude based on what you saw at Mizzou games on like, this is a leader. He's not just an athlete. He's someone who's going to inspire guys to play better right from the get go, even as a rookie. So I'm pumped. I, 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 in, Terrace Marshall was sitting right there, that wide receiver from LSU. You're like, maybe, but you could do a lot worse than Nick Bolton as the guy instead. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you look at those those three picks, essentially. That first-round pick they trade for, Orlando Brown, you're not going to get an all-pro left tackle at 31. No. And Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey, those picks. I think Bolton and Humphrey are both first-round talents, you know, guys that are going to be starters here sooner than later. Brett Veach, I mean, this guy doesn't miss. I mean, he's, you know, striking all the irons out again. I'm very impressed with the roster that they've assembled, finding ways to still get better this offseason. Don't don't show anyone Brett's 2017 draft for guys not named Patrick Mahomes because that was pretty lousy. But he's gotten a lot better. Uh, the the late picks, I mean, Legereus Sneed is one of the best finds in the last couple of years of drafting. So, I, Brett – it's so funny because when he first came on, everyone's like, this is still Andy Reid's team. 
and Andy Reid is the one making the big calls and things. And I think it's pretty evident that Brett has more than held his own and that they're in lockstep. And that's what you want. It allows Andy to just go out and coach and Brett's the one doing the player personnel decision-making. So um, it's hard to have any complaints about where you're at if you're a Chiefs fan right now. And that's why we love KCSN, Tyler. There's a plug for you. Just go listen to Happy Thoughts. You don't have to worry about why your team stinks because they don't. They're very good. <laughs> you, you don't have to be a Houston Texans fan. It's okay. No, no, you don't. HSN might not come for a while with all of those teams except the Astros maybe. And, you know, all they did was have one of the biggest cheating scandals of all time, and they're the most normal franchise in town right now. It's wild. Mind-blowing. Yes. Oh, gosh. That, that's, uh, that's too good. Tom, we, uh, we appreciate the time. Thanks for stopping by and joining us, man. Tell us one more time. Plug all the stuff where people can find you and see the uh, great work you guys are doing here. Yeah, just follow Let It Fly Media. Um, we try to show off the work we do for clients as often as we can. And, you know, it, it's, it's funny. You go back and look at our stuff from a couple years ago to now. Um, our team's grown a lot. We've got a ton of people who are so talented and bringing new ideas to us every day. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to tell people about us and just go look at what we're doing. And, um, you know, maybe it helps you out. Maybe you decide to get into to media yourself. It just sort of depends. But um, Let It Fly Media on Instagram and Twitter and our website, we got it all up there too. Now, do, do you know, is uh, Ben putting together a pool? Are we competing again? I, I need to bounce back after that before. I had a poor performance in the Masters myself. Ben, ben always puts together a pool. If he doesn't for PGA, it's because he's really, really busy with it. But I would think for the other three, yes, that's a shoe in And we'll see. Um, again, I, I, I probably have to ask him. But, um, you know, I think we both know that if he does, we got Rory sitting right there. I know I'd be competing with you on that. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll, we'll split the prize money at the end and call it a day. So. That's, that's fair. I think so. Okay. We've, we've created the, uh, the Rory Super Pack. Uh, going <laughs> Tom Martin, Let Him Fly Media, joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Thanks again, Tom. Thanks, Tyler. Good to be with you. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can check out O'Connor Advisory Group online at O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. Also, OAGKS.com as well. And you can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian.oconnor at lpl.com. And also check out O'Connor Advisor Group on Facebook. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, how we doing? Yeah, we're doing good. Man, middle of the week. We're getting things moving along and ready to uh, finish up the week strong. So, Bo, as, as you and I are recording this, we know some of the NFL schedule, but not all of it yet. Yeah. And so what I want to focus on to start is just that week one slate. What do you make of those first matchups to begin the NFL season? What stands out to you? Well, they you know, they do it. They're going to have the big game on Thursday. It's always the defending champs. So you got the Bucks that night. Uh, I think that putting Dallas in that game is interesting. Uh, you know, Dak's first game back, I think that's a pretty cool deal. Uh, Sunday night game is going to be uh, the Rams with the Bears. Again, kind of a Justin Fields nightmare, maybe. That's not Andy Justin. Dalton. That's going to be Justin Fields. That's going to be Justin Fields. Justin Fields is going to start week one. Yeah. I, I, would, be, I would be surprised if he's not. And then, um, you know, you've got a couple of good matchups. New England and Miami in there. Chiefs and the, Chiefs and the Brock, uh, Browns. 
Um, Green Bay at New Orleans. Uh, yeah, you, the three twenty-five games are going to be tough. You can't watch all three of those at the same time. Um, I mean, you got early game. You got Pittsburgh, Buffalo. Uh, they 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 want to hit it hard on ratings that first week and get you, and they want to grab you as a viewer right from the beginning and say, "Okay, we've got you," and don't we're not letting you go. So, um, I, I like that they threw some matchups in there the first week and um, and and really kind of mixed it up with. A solid matchups all around, and, and and fewer of the divisional games. There's a couple in there. Miami, Miami, New England, and um, well, I saw another one, uh, Jacksonville, Houston, but very few divisional games, which I kind of like. But then hit hard with good matchups. Yeah, um, there's already lines out from Caesar's Sportsbook on all these games. And, Bo, I'm not going to hold you to these picks for our, our pickup. We'll bring it back later on this year. But I do want to go through these and tell me just your early indications of, of what you're leaning on uh, on these odds way too early in the future. Um, Cowboys at Bucks. The Bucks are a six-point favorite. I'd lay the six. Okay. Um, I think I would, too. Vikings and Bengals, that game in Cincinnati. The Vikings favored by two and a half. Well, say that again. The who favored? Vikings and the Bengals. The Vikings as a two and a half point favorite on the road. And you know, you know my thing on his, you know what I'm going to say. The, the Bengals don't deserve Drew Burrow. But every um, time Kirk Cousins is playing, he's stealing it. money. Yeah, he, he's stealing money. Every time he gets a paycheck, Kirk Cousins is stealing money. Um, so this is like the this is like the bow quote. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, did you see the Robert Griffin deal on um, when the Vikings drafted uh, Kellen Mann? Yes, I did. Oh boy, you could tell he is uh, he's salty. Let's just almost say he he let it he did he was not a, he he was trying to be nice and at the same time he wanted to let it know who how he thinks of Kirk Cousins. Uh, but to go back to your original point on that, you know, uh, I want to take the Bengals just because I want to take Joe Burrow, but I don't know anything about that defense yet. You know, the Vikings still have Kirk Cousins. Right now, if I had to have a gun to my head, I'd take the Bengals at home. But, man, I this is why I'm not a degenerate gambler like some people I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I would uh, take the Bengals again. Okay. I, I would lean towards Minnesota, uh, but I don't say that with confidence. Uh, Steelers and Bills, that game in Buffalo, the Bills would be a six-point favorite in that game. I like Buffalo a lot. I like what they're doing, and I don't like what the Steelers are doing. I think the Steelers are going to make a mistake having Roethlisberger as their quarterback. So I think they brought him back for salary cap reasons, and, and I think it's going to make them bad. I think, it's, I think that division is going to be really tough, and um, – I think Buffalo's going to put it on him first week. Now, again, don't hold me to the gospel. Things can change. You get a quarterback hurt, you know, Josh Allen gets hurt or something happens. You just never know. But just based on what I've seen so far, the moves in the offseason, yeah, I like Buffalo. I don't think the best quarterback or the best quarterback in that game uh, will be uh, for, for Pittsburgh. Um, this season, their best quarterback is not Big Ben. I would take Mason Rudolph over Big Ben right now. Yeah, I just I, I like to see what the Steelers are going to do as an organization. They've yeah. got to figure out they've got there. They they got to figure out they have with Mason Rudolph. I don't think he signed past this season either. 
He is not. He'll be a free agent after this season. Yeah. So, uh, but the Bills there, six points, seems like that makes sense. How about uh, the Seahawks and the Colts? Carson Wentz's debut with the Indianapolis Colts. Colts I, two and a half point favorite at home. I just wish that was the Legion of Boom back there. I hate Carson Wentz. Um, <laughs> hey, Indianapolis is a real team minus that quarterback. Yeah, they are. That team, we talked about it about a month, a month or two ago. We said, man, if the Colts had Andrew Luck, that's a Super Bowl contender. That's a solid, solid roster, except for the quarterback. So I would go Seattle just because I like I like their quarterback situation better. It's all going to come down to any the whole narrative for the whole season is going to come down to the play of the quarterback. Yeah, I would lean towards Seattle there as well. I don't think uh, Indy could win more than uh, twelve games with without with uh, Carson Wentz under center. Um, the, he's going to hold them back quite a bit. I, I agree with you there. Uh, the Eagles taking on the Falcons. Falcons a three-and-a-half-point favorite. We know Matt Ryan is going to do Matt Ryan things again in 2021. That's not changing. I would say, Bo, I would lean towards Philly. Uh, not only is a three-and-a-half-point underdog, I'd like them to win outright. I, I like what Philly put together in, uh, in this offseason. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to punt 2021. They're not a good team. You don't like drafting Devonta Smith? No, no, no. I, I don't. Yeah, I like Devonta Smith. I like Jalen Hurts. But I don't think those two guys are going to make that team. A team's not good at all. Right. Like, the Eagles are going to have a top five pick next season. Mm-hmm. You want a hot take? It might be a top three pick. That's going to be one of the worst teams in the league, and not because of their quarterback play. It's going to be because that team from roster spot five to 53 is awful. Awful. So, yeah, I, they, I can't imagine a team week one that I would pick, that I would pick the Eagles over outside of Jacksonville. Okay. All right. Maybe so the Jets. And the Jets. You're saying maybe. you would take Atlanta and the points here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 49ers and Lions. Uh, we're looking at uh, the, the 49ers as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in Detroit. Detroit, uh, they're a hot mess again, aren't they? I mean, uh, do you think San Francisco gets back to the team we saw a couple of years ago? How good are the Niners going to be? Uh, Jimmy Grapple is the quarterback. <laughs> and if he gets hurt, they're going to have a guy who's played 16 uh, FCS games. So um, – Again, I I don't know who the hell the 49ers are going to be until I see. So I wouldn't touch that game. If you're if you game, first off, if you came in on my picks, you should already know better. And two, the 49ers, I don't know who they are. We don't, you tell me anything that makes you feel good about that team. <laughs> uh, Wait, yeah. I, they got a, they got a couple of outstanding players and a couple outstanding. You gotta love both. So I like a lot of their defense. He's got to have good quarterback play, and, and neither of those two teams do. At least in the Lions' case, they got left tackle now. Right. They'll keep they'll keep golf upright at least. I mean, as uh, as the Browns how that worked out with Joe Thomas, you know, I mean, you had an All Pro left mm-hmm. tackle for a decade, but yeah. that didn't get you anywhere. 
I'll say this. I was talking to somebody who's in the kind of in the know. We were talking about different PE and a few other people in the league who were saying, if you could pick any player from this year's draft that you would say is going to be in the Hall of Fame, he said the guy he would pick, uh, don't disagree, is Penny Sewell. Yeah. I mean, that guy, he's going to be, he's going to be great. And, but it might be a Joe Thomas situation. He's in the in Detroit forever in a day and just never sniffs the playoffs and never has any success, but just beats the hell out of everybody left time. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, seven and a half, though, too many points for the Niners. I, I'd have to take the lines by default there. Jetson Panthers, that intrigues me a bit. Sam Darnold right away taking on his old team. Four points for the Panthers. I, I would ride with the Panthers at four right now. I like what the Jets are doing defensively. I don't trust the organization. I like that new coach, though. Uh, the Panthers, young quarterback with Joe Brady. Let's see what happens. Uh, they got McCaffrey. I mean, that's I, I see some things I like with the Panthers. And uh, reminds me of a side story I'll tell you later, but um, about their new practice facility. But uh, the Panthers are going to try. They're going to put in some effort here uh, to build that team. They're going to give – Sam Darnold a fair try being quarterback. Um, if I had to throw, flip a coin here, I'd go with the Panthers. Well, I think that'd be the better team. Okay. Uh, Jags and Texans. Jags, one and a half point favorite in Houston for Trevor Lawrence's debut. Yeah. Who gives a <laughs> Look, I'm going to say this. Unless you are a fan of one of these two teams, and if you are, God bless you, why the hell would you watch this game? There's a reason. This game is on when it's on. Like, nobody will want – that'll be the lowest-rated local game all year long, Jacksonville at Houston. Houston's going to be awful this year, and Jacksonville is just Jacksonville. I know we're going to get into a little more about that in a little bit. But, man, I – hey, you got Trevor Lawrence, great, but you got a coach that doesn't know what the f- he's doing. Excuse me, I've already hit one with F-bomb there. Coach that doesn't know what he's doing. An organization, you know how I feel about that organization. So yeah, I. That's the give. That's the toilet bowl. If there's ever been an NFL game with the toilet bowl, it's that game right there. I think the league would like to hide that that game is even happening with as many yeah. great games as. Well, it's a great way to hide it in week one when everybody's talking about everything else. <laughs> Cardinals and uh, Titans. Titans a two and a half point favorite. That should be a very good, uh, sneaky good matchup there. Yeah, it's going to be sneaky good. I, those are two teams I like. I, those are two teams that can ascend. Um, I think the Cardinals are a team that could really ascend high. Only obstacle in their way is that I think they're in the toughest division in the NFL. Yeah. Every team in that division is good. I mean, the 49ers, to me, are the worst team in that division. And that's just because we don't know who they are. But everybody's good in that division. Yeah. Um, I would uh, I would lean towards Arizona. I think. Uh, yeah, two and a half. I think I would too. I think I would too. I just week one, you just don't know. It takes a little time. You know, the X factor there is Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, how about the uh, Chargers and the Washington Football Team? It's a pick up straight up. Um, I would lean towards San Diego. I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing a lot. I like Justin Herbert. But I love Washington's defense. I like some of the components they have, and I think Chase Young is. If I was going to say that any player from last year's draft was going to be in the Hall of Fame, I'd say Chase Young. 
Ooh. and I'm a Burrow guy. So right. you know, talk about how big I like him. Um, I think he's phenomenal, but I think that I mean, we how the Chargers are doing. I, the biggest obstacle there, the Chargers are in the AFC, what the Cardinals are in the NFC. They're in the tough division. You've got to get ahead of the Broncos and the Raiders, and you got to, and you, you know, you're not going to pass the Chiefs. You don't want to be third because the third team in the division is not getting into playoffs. Mm-hmm. Browns and uh, Chiefs. Chiefs are five and a half point favorite at home. Um, Bo, I would like the Chiefs to win this game, but uh, I think this is a, a three point game. I, I'd actually go with the Browns to cover here. Hell of a matchup between uh, my two favorite quarterbacks in the league right now. I'll take the over. The over. That's a better bet. Take the over. Whatever that number is, let's go over. Take <laughs> yeah, the over. I think these are the two best teams in the AFC. Uh, you, you might be right. I think those two, Buffalo. I, I think Buffalo's going to be that conversation. And I think San Diego is the team that can ascend. I mean, I say they're in LA now. The Chargers. I think the Chargers can ascend up. I, I really do. I think, but I still think there's one more piece that there's still one more domino to fall in the AFC. And we're going to talk about that few <laughs> That's what we call a tease in the biz. Uh, Dolphins and Patriots. Patriots would be a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Bo, you and I have talked a lot. We like what the, the Dolphins are building there. Can they win in Foxborough, though? Okay, the Dolphins are the – the Dolphins and the, are the Colts. They're the same team. It's all going to come down to one thing, and that's the quarterback play. If Tua plays well, the Dolphins win the division. They win the division, or they're right up there with Buffalo. Again, let's get those three teams, Buffalo, Miami, and the Patriots. I think the best roster, minus the quarterback, is the Dolphins. I love what they're doing there. I think their last two drafts have been great. When they go get pieces, they fit. You know, you and I talked about how much we like Brian Flores a lot. I just, man, that's a good team. If I was going to pick a game week one, if I was going to pick an underdog, I think the Dolphins at my, Dolphins at New England. I would, too. Uh, Packers and Saints. Will we see Aaron Rodgers? That remains to uh, be. Seen. I mean, is that even on the board? Uh, yes, uh, the Saints are a one and a half point favorite. Uh, well, wrong team favorite if Aaron Rodgers plays for the Brock for the Packers. I mean, <laughs> if I'm Saints Love fan, plays. I, I think it's still the wrong team favorite. I, I, I don't know what the Saints are going to be. I. I we, honest, honestly, we have no idea who's starting for either team right now. I think. Well, I, I think we know the Saints are going to start Jameis Winston. I, I'm, I'm eighty percent sure Jameis Winston's the quarterback of the Saints. Uh, the only way I see that he's not the quarterback is if it's an injury or if um, they're able to somehow, some way, move heaven and earth and get into the derby. I yeah. don't see that. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- that, that's the one I, I'd stay away from because I, I don't feel uh, – I don't have a good feel for the team. I don't have a good feel for the team right now. Because yeah, if the Packers don't have Aaron Rodgers, they're not going to make the playoffs. Right. Um, Bears and uh, Rams, that game in L.A., Rams a seven-point favorite in Matt Stafford's debut. You just don't know what the Bears are yet. They're going to have a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's going to beat out Andy Dalton. I mean, I just – Andy Dalton's going to turn into 
the Kirk Cousins going to keep case when we steal the money, cashing a check. But hey, good for him in that case, man. He had to sit behind and get Dallas and take all that crap. But um, I really like the Rams. I <laughs> the Rams are just set. I the Rams are one of those teams that can be one of the favorites in the NFC. I really like them a lot. The hardest part to me is their division. I don't like they, the Rams long term. They got to quit trading away these first round picks. I agree, but I think they're loaded for right now. Yes, they have two of the five best defensive players in the league. Mm-hmm. They have a good. They have a good quarterback, and he has some weapons. They can score points, and they can stop you. Broncos and Giants. Broncos are a one point favorite. Um, I think that is uh, one of those deals we're still kind of waiting for something to, to work out. This is like uh, betting a stock that could just go through the roof. <laughs> um, this is like if you were going to hold an option on a stock, it would be the Denver Broncos minus one or the plus one uh, at the Giants. That would be like the, the ultimate like call. I'd be like, I'll call that stock. <laughs> How oh, yeah. much premium do I have to pay? Um, I'm tempted yeah. to go ahead and bet on Denver on this right now because worse comes to worse. If they don't get Aaron Rodgers, okay, they just have to win by one. Yeah, and if they give Aaron Rodgers, you know you've won the game. Right. <laughs> you just it's easy money. I might. I, get, I love the. I might I go would, to the sports book when I get off the phone with you and jump on. <laughs> It's too late. Yeah, but then you're you got to you got to bet enough so it's worth holding on to that ticket for, and that's the problem. You end up tying this, tying some stuff up. That's where you got to think about that as a money manager. There, I guess like how much are you going to tie up of your funds <laughs> on a on a risky bet that it could. It's either a genius bet or it's you know a coin flip, and in this case, um, it's again about tying up money for that long. I'm putting all my money in my uh, O'Connor Advisor Group account. In that, in there you that. go. We got better odds for you. <laughs> uh, Ravens and Raiders, uh, Monday Night Football, Ravens five and a half on the road there in uh, Vegas. I think that, uh, again, barring what happens in the Derby, I think uh, the Ravens might spoil the Raiders' homecoming there. The first game, most likely the first game in front of fans, it'll be, it'll be loud. It'll be a lot of Raider fans. I know people are thinking that the Raiders are you know, going to be in Las Vegas and that their fans are going to be a lot of traveling fans. And you will see a lot of that. But I'm as a person who's been to a couple of the I've been to a Golden Knights game in Las Vegas, those fans show up and they're gonna they're gonna come from Oakland. I was talking to some people last time I was in Las Vegas a year ago, and it was a year and a half ago, and it was, hey, we're going to be coming from Oakland every weekend for Raiders games. It's like a, it's less than an hour of flight. It's cheap. You can get in, get out, and go home. I mean, you know, you can get a, a cheap hotel room in Las Vegas. So yeah, I, I yeah, I, I do think Baltimore is the better team right now, barring the uh, the the uh, AR Derby. Yeah, give me Baltimore and the points. So there you have it. Look at the early lines. If you're a degenerate and want to bet week one, and I'm already yeah. looking at betting week one, so that makes me qualified for that. Um, I have it to know. Back to Aaron Rodgers, uh, the latest there in his situation. Uh, he's still a member of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, it was interesting hearing Schefter on Dan Patrick the other day say that the story that he released was not based on one or two sources. Yeah. That he- was cultivated over time. 
He says it just happened to be a coincidence he released the story on draft day. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think that even with those details, I don't think that changes the situation here. I mean, Aaron's had plenty of time to say if he wanted to stay in Green Bay or not. I would still be shocked at this point if he's a member of the Packers when the season begins, Paul. Okay, let me extrapolate this a couple different ways. Let's start the Adam Schefter part first. Uh, Adam Schefter is 100% full of um, One, he knew what he was doing on draft day. Absolutely. He absolutely knew that. He and knew I like Schefter, too. Yeah, and, and I do, too. I, the guy breaks news. He knows he, knows he has great sources. Um, you know, we don't know if this was somebody telling him, hey, Aaron doesn't want to be here, Aaron's not. But for him to come out and say what he did on Dan Patrick, when I heard about that, he went back and listened to it. I was like, how unprofessional was your report now? I mean, honestly, I mean, tell me I'm wrong. I, the, the thing that jumped off the page at me or when I saw the video, like everybody else did, was he said it wasn't one report. It was a culmination of a number of things, which means he didn't have a source say that Aaron Rodgers wants out. He just took a bunch of stuff and puts it together. He just drew a conclusion. Yeah, that's the definition of fake news. I mean, that that's how we've gotten in this problem politically. It's how we've got this problem. Now it's going to spread to the fucking sports world? I mean, come on. We don't need that kind of problem. Now, do I think Aaron Rodgers is upset? Yes. I think he's upset. We can all read between the lines and read what's happening and think, yes, Aaron Rodgers does not want to be a Packer. Frankly, I think Aaron Rodgers is right. You know, I'm siding with the player here, but I don't like what Adam Schefter did. I think that he was wrong for what he did on draft day because what it did is it put the conclusion in all of our heads watching the draft thinking, okay, here's where Aaron Rodgers gets traded here. And we were all waiting for that shoe to drop when we should have been thinking about the young players who were getting, getting drafted. And, and I just, it's a shame it's a shame that he reported something like it was a fact without it being a fact, without it being something he can confirm. And that's a real problem we have in, in, in news and sports, sports reporting and everything else. Look, you can just come out and say, hey, we believe, but now we hide behind the sources say. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'm a maybe I'm an old guy, maybe I'm a fuddy-duddy, whatever you want to call me. I just this is the problem. It's a problem in sports. It's a problem in, in news in general. You're a news man. You understand how that is? I mean, how hard is it for you to report these things? I mean, when you, if you had to break a story, you go to your people and you say, hey, I got this information. You got to get it double and triple checked and everything else before you can put the reputation of the company that you work for on the line. Because you're required to do that. And for some reason, we're now giving them a pass in certain places. And they do it in the name of ratings. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. You know, oh, maybe if we talk about Aaron Rodgers, that'll be a narrative we can weave through draft day. And as we get into an hour and a half, two hours into day one, now we can keep more people watching. Mm-hmm. So that's, they kept talking about it all night for that reason, that reason alone. There was no chance that the Packers were trading him that night. We know that now, but we did not know that that night because the way Adam Schefter reported that was that Aaron Rodgers was upset and asked for a trade today, basically. Mm-hmm. It made it seem like that he wanted the trade done that day. Right. 
So I have a real problem with Adam Schefter's reporting on that. So I'll set that aside. Now the Dodgers thing, what's going to happen? Well, there's two ways this is going to go. And I'm not as sure as you are that it goes to a trade. I'm 50-50. You know, 50-50, you know, 65 and pick them, whatever you want to call it. I think the most likely scenario is that he's still a Packer. I think the Packers are a team that, and here's why. It's nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers here. It has everything to do with the Packers. Packers are a team that doesn't have the one person at the top. Every professional sports franchise, whether that be the Kansas City Chiefs, the Royals, uh, the New York Yankees, the New England Patriots, or whomever, has one individual at the top who says, this is the fun, yes or no. In the end, when the Patriots let Tom Brady go, Robert Kraft had to make that final decision. That was not Bill Belichick's decision in the end. you got to get that okayed by your owner. The problem with the Packers is they do not have one owner. They're a publicly held team. They have a committee. And you got to go get a committee to make a decision for the GM to trade the best player in your franchise history. You don't have to convince one person. GM doesn't have to go to the owner and say, hey, I know this is going to be hard, but here's how the numbers will look. You go to an owner with the numbers and he goes, oh, well, that makes sense. If you go to a committee, you're not going to get that. That's going to be the biggest obstacle that trade's going to have. It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not the other teams. It's not whether a package is fair. It's not even a salary cap situation. It's simply going to be, will the, the GM of the Packers have the authority from ownership to trade the best player in franchise history? Now, what I would counter that to say is, well, he had the authority to draft essentially Aaron Rodgers' replacement. Different animal. Different animal. Drafting, the draft is, you don't go to your owner and say, we're going to draft this player, unless it's something controversial. That's, that was controversial. <laughs> we didn't really have it this year, but we've had teams in the past that have drafted a player, and they go to your owner and say, hey, this guy's had some off-the-field stuff. Are we okay with this? Are you okay with this? Again, the GM's not held accountable by drafting Jordan Love one year ago. He wasn't held accountable then. Um, they weren't they weren't held accountable when Aaron Rodgers was drafted when Brett Favre was there. You know, and, and I like Andrew Brandt, the former GM. I think he's a genius. I listen to his podcast. I think he's one of the smartest guys in sports. But he never had to listen to an he never had one owner say, Hey, why'd you draft this Rodgers kid? We have Brett. He's never, they never had that in Green Bay. And that's a problem because now when you don't have the one person in the end, it's different, different animal with drafts. I, I just, so I see your counterpoint, but that's not as important a decision as trading the only player. I mean, he's, there's no other definition that counts. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest player in the history of the Green Bay Packers. I agree. But even with that being said, too, I don't think Aaron's bluffing here. I think he could say, fine, I don't think he's going to trade me, I'll retire. I, well, then the problem becomes for Rodgers is, are you going to pay back the money? It's a big check you got to write. 
It's 20 million. He's got 20 million in bonus he's got to pay back. And it's not like the Andrew Luck situation where the owner said, I don't worry about it. Because again, there's not one guy. Mm-hmm. So these are going to be two bulls going into the ring, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But the GM, the GM, was, if the GM was smart, he would make the trade. But now he has to convince more than one person. That's the biggest obstacle to me. I don't think it's the whether you do it or don't. I don't think it's, pardon me, I don't think it's what package you get of players and picks. I don't think it's even, well, if we, if we trade him after June 1, we still have a $14 million salary hit. Well, yeah, but you save up 19 other million. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. I, I could sit here. If I was the GM of the Packers, I would make the trade. I would. I don't want a player that's like, that doesn't want to play. And, and I can find players who want to play. That's a lot of leeway and a lot of stuff coming back to me. Because you're going to get two ones and a player out. I think. You're going to get a haul for the guy. They are. They are. And, uh-huh. and so I think it's a no-brainer if you're the Packers to do it. That makes Rodgers happy. It gets, makes you happy. The biggest, the biggest problem is not the pack. It's not the GM. It's not the leadership of the football program. It's the people at the top. Well, I, I would say too that you know a couple of points. It only takes a couple of practices to know if a guy can play or not. If the Packers were sold in Jordan, Jordan Love, they would have already made this move by now. They know he can't play. Well, I think here's what I think on it. I think their intention was to play Jordan Love this year when they draft. Aaron Rodgers had a rough season two seasons ago. He wasn't as good two seasons ago. Then he went out and won the MVP last year. And he was by far the best player in the league last year. Yeah. And they went, uh-oh. So now in 2021, do you get 2020 Rodgers or 2019 Rodgers? That's why if, if you're Green Bay. have ended up in the NFC Championship. That's why if, you, if, you're, if you're Green Bay, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. You got to – it, it'll be good all around. And that's the way, if I were to make this thing down. I think the only way this is salvageable, where Aaron Rodgers ends up back in Green Bay, the only scenario that he decides to play for the Packers again is if they say, we're giving you a brand-new contract and we're trading away Jordan Love and we're going to bring in a weapon for you. Yeah, I think there's one more caveat to that. I think those are – I think he – Aaron Rodgers has got to make a list. So, yes, he gets an extension. He's signed for two more seasons after this one. Um, he'll be 40 in 2023. I think he's going to ask for two more seasons. You say, hey, I want two more seasons. I want him at Patrick Mahomes' money. Um, I want Jordan Love out the, out the paint. I don't care what you get for him. Get him out of here. Go get me a veteran to be my backup. You know, name who you want it to be. They just signed uh, Blake Bortles. Yeah, who they just signed? Blake Bortles. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I, I can see it as a, it's a capable backup. And then from there, GM got to go. Yeah. I mean, that's the list. If he gets all three of those, yeah, you can make it back up. Look, I I don't know Aaron Rodgers clearly. From what I've seen, Aaron's a different dude, and he has interest outside of football. But we've also seen in some of the personal things in his life that have become public that he's uh, – a different kind of cat. I mean, we've seen some things with him and his family and how there's some situations there. And I don't know if that's been reconciled or not, but, and then you've seen like, you know, some public things with women that he's dated. And again, that's between a man and a woman, nothing nefarious or bad, but you look at it and go, well, who is this guy? 
And so maybe that's part of it too. Maybe he's a guy who likes the shiny new things. I don't know. You know, I'm not here to judge him. I'm not here to say anything bad about Aaron Rodgers. I'm a fan. I think he's great. I wish my team could trade for Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Um, But I think that, I think this is a whole lot of stuff coming down at once. And I think the best thing for both sides is to make this deal. All right. Last thing before we go. We're going to talk about where he's going, though? Oh, yes. Go ahead. Yes. Think about that. So I think it's one of two places. Uh, you know, when we talked last week, I thought it was on five. Now I think it's not a two. It's the Raiders or the Broncos. Yeah. It's the Aaron Rodgers. And I think it's the Broncos. I do, too. I think it's the Broncos. And I, a week ago or two weeks ago, I wouldn't have thought it was the Broncos because then you got that whole he's in a division with the Chiefs and Mahomes thing. But man, the Broncos with Aaron Rodgers is a good team. Mm-hmm. And now you're the probably the second best team in that division. You got the young pup behind you in the Chargers. The, the, the team that doesn't want either of those two teams to trade for the Aaron Rodgers is the Chargers. They're like, no, 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 keep them out of the division. Right, be third. I mean, doesn't matter. if they win ten games and they're third, mm-hmm. they're still not making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I just not there. Um, last thing, Tim Tebow headed to Jacksonville. You and I have shared, I think, some similar thoughts on on Tebow in the past. That we we love the man, Tim Tebow. Um, you know, he's the guy that you want your daughters to marry. He's the son that you, you, you want. I mean, there is nothing – I have nothing personal against Tim Tebow whatsoever. I have nothing – no axe to grind against him wanting to come back and play football and play tight end either. I don't hold any of that against him. In fact, I hope Tim Tebow does, does well. But this is ridiculous from Jacksonville. Isn't it? I mean, this, this is uh, such a dumb move. There's so many other guys that they could have signed – and given an opportunity to, um, you know, we, we mentioned that Urban Meyer was not going to be a right NFL fit and that, you know, his decision-making was very questionable for the National Football League. This, this to me, this falls this, right to the Urban Meyer that we expected in the NFL. I mean, uh, I hope Tim succeeds, and I hope he does well, but this goes right back to the Urban Meyer that you and I have been talking about for months of what the Jags were getting yeah, this is so you know what from day one I said that hired Urban Meyer was a disaster. This just is fact number one. This will be the list. Hey, we can start the list now. I got a whiteboard. We'll start the list right now. Fact one that proves Brian was right, Bo was right, Coach Bo was right. Tim Tebow. Signing Tim Tebow is a mistake. It's a huge mistake. Now you're gonna bring him in probably at a, some kind of a league minimum. He's a roster spot. We'll know if he makes a team. I mean, if he makes a team, it's a really big disaster because the guy is 33 years old. He has not played in in an NFL game since 2012. He was a quarterback back then. He wasn't even a good one. Um, He wasn't a good quarterback. Now, this guy is a tight end. Now, Sean Payton tried to make him a tight end in 2014. He tried to get Tim Tebow. He tried to – Signed him and said, basically what Taysom Hill is now is what that many years ago, Sean Payton has said he wanted to do with Tim Tebow. And you can see that, but not at 33 years old when you haven't played football. And he was on the practice squad for the Eagles 
in 2015. That was six seasons ago. I mean, that's – here's my thing about Tim Tebow. Everything you said was right about Tim Tebow is a nice man, a kind man. All those narratives you spun, they are all right. They're all correct. He's everything you want in a hero. But is it time for us as Americans, is it time for us as sports fans to tell this man, to tell Tim Tebow, you are not a professional athlete? Plain and simple. You're a, a college athlete, an incredible one. I mean, in college football, he was just short of God. I mean, he was absolutely incredible. I'm not even a fan of his as a player, but in college football, he was such a – I mean, he was a guy who just moved the whole team. He somehow glued that Florida Gators team together. And that's what Urban Meyer's looking for. But at the same time, he is not a professional athlete. He's just not good enough. He's not good enough to be an NFL player. He wasn't good enough to be a Major League Baseball player. It's time we quit lying to Tim Tebow. Let him have a cushy job at ESPN. Let him start doing tentpole revivals. I don't care what it is he's done or what he's doing. We just got to quit lying to him and let him give these opportunities over over and over and over again. Now, where I would counter that is that I don't fault Tim, though. I mean, if he wants to do this, if he's given opportunities, by all means, I would do the same thing, take advantage of every opportunity. Um, I would put this solely on the Jags and those that have given him these opportunities here. Yeah, I well, yes, I mean, I see what you're saying there, but whose brilliant idea was it? to bring Tim Tebow in. I, I just pulled it up. The same draft class of Tim Tebow. Do you remember who the number one pick was? 2010. He was a quarterback. Wasn't it Sam Bradford? It was Sam Bradford. No one's calling for Sam Bradford to be in the NFL right now. <laughs> yeah. And Damakasu was the number two pick. He's old. He's considered old in the NFL now. Gerald McCoy. Oh. Joe McCoy's third pick, yeah. The next quarterback in that draft, let me see here. That was uh, Tebow with 25. That was the second quarterback. But you had Colt McCoy, who's a backup in the league, decent backup. <laughs> and Jimmy then, Clausen, who's long gone. Yeah, Clausen um, was awful. Yeah. Colt McCoy. What is a terrible quarterback class? Mike Kafka. Ooh, boy, he was awful. Um... John Skelton from Fordham was drafted by the Cardinals in the fifth round. Isn't Kafka a quarterback coach now or something? I believe so. Yeah. (laughs) Literally no quarterback in that is in the league. And you know you're not going to have that. But, but again, no one's – that's just an example. I mean, Sam Radford was the number one player in that draft. And it was, you know, 11 years ago. And no one's saying, oh, we got to go sign Sam Radford. Maybe he'll want to be a tight end. This is because it's a narrative of Tim Tebow's Tim Tebow. And it's Jacksonville. They want to sell some tickets. You know, he's from Jacksonville. Urban Meyer is Urban Meyer. And this has got the Khan family written all over. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm surprised they didn't draft Kenny Omega in the first round from AEW wrestling. I, I mean, I just, I, again, you know how I feel about that organization. I mean, the, he's a billionaire that lucked into being a billionaire. And 
God bless him for what he's done. He makes a, lot, makes a bunch of money, gets to have a couple sports franchises. But his sports franchises suck, and his fans all hate him. Because he's taking him to absolute shit in the years he's owned. And now, this is another example of it. You hire Urban Meyer, and you let him get Tim Tebow? I mean, that's a fireable offense, in my view. If I were the owner of the Jaguars, I'd fire Urban Meyer for, for, for even considering Tim Tebow as a player on this team. You want to bring Tim Tebow in to talk to the team? You want to bring him in to be a quarterback? No, not a quarterback coach, but maybe to be some kind of coach? You want to bring him in there to be, to be Trevor Lawrence's buddy? That's fine. But what you're not going to do is waste one of my 53 roster spots. Get all the way the hell out of here with that idea. And you see that far horizon out to the west? Walk all the way to it and go all the way the hell out of here because I don't want you around if you want Tim Tebow in your football team. Tim Tebow wouldn't be a starting quarterback in the XFL. Yes. Why is he playing in the NFL? It's a horrible idea. And, and I'll end on this. I like Tim. I hope he succeeds. I'll be rooting for him. Are you are you rooting for Tim? Do you want no. you want this? No, I'm not rooting for him at all. And look, and look, like you said, I'm I think as a man, he's great. But I got a real problem with this signing. I got a problem when he signed with the Mets. No, I'm not rooting for him. I don't want the man to get hurt. I don't want to wish the ill will on the man. I don't want to wish that on anybody. But, no, I don't want him getting a roster spot when someone more qualified is out there. Just because he has a name, screw him. <laughs> oh, God. I can't wait till they do actually sign him. I want to see what the contract is. It's going to be a one-year deal with a whole bunch of incentives. And they have a shitload of rosters of uh, – of, um, um, a salary cap. If they give him more than the minimum, then the NFL should step in and make Tony Khan sell his team. I, he, he only bought that team because he wanted to move him to London. I'm I'm 100 convinced of that. Yeah, I've been convinced of that since he bought the team. That's where his, that's where his other sports franchises based out their offices are. He wanted to put them all in London. He thought if I buy the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're just bad enough. That when the NFL decides to expand to London, my team's the one that goes. Yeah, that's the one that he's hoping for at this point. And he has to get a bunch of money because his son's messing up all his money. Messed. Well, we're out of time. Tebow mania <laughs> rolls on. We'll be we'll be rooting on Tim. Hope this all works out. You know. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Tyler. You, you have a good night. Tebow uh, jersey. Uh, get you a Tebow Jags jersey. Hey. I'm not wearing – I won't wear a Jags jersey anyway. I'm not, definitely not wearing a Tebow. You know, I don't know what I would say if Tebow thought the Saints at one point. That would have been funny. You know. <laughs> you can only have one – you can only have one apple pie, you know, all-American guy per team. And, you know, let me rephrase it. You can only have one white apple pie American Americana in, in the Saints head Breeze. Isn't that, Trevor, isn't that Trevor Lawrence already? I think so. Yeah, Sunshine. It was like sunshine from, from Remember the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm root, I hope Trevor Lawrence gets – I hope his situation ends up being better than I suspect it will. Yeah. Because that's just not fair to any young player with that kind of talent. But I don't like the situation at all. And, it's again, if he does – if he busts, 
or if he's not good out the gate, people are going to say he's a bust. And I think you've got to give some patience because that's a really bad situation to go into. It is. Coach Bull, check him out at O'Connor Advisor Group, OAGKS.com, O'Connor Advisor Group.com as well. Bull, we'll talk to you next week. Have a hey. uh, good trip. Uh, I want to hear all yeah. about this. Yeah, I'll tell you all about it when I get it back. It'll be interesting. You know, it's a little smoky in the bandit action up in New Jersey. So we'll see what happens. Hey, you take care. There you have it. Coach Bowles football fix here on the Jones Sports. I'll have Jones Thomas Bridges back here with you now. A few more things before we get done. We'll have Tom Fulry coming up in just a bit. But uh, looking back on what uh, Tom was talking about when Tom Martin was here, the uh, PGA Championship. This is going to be the last time we talk to you before the PGA Championship starts next week from uh, Kiawatha Island in South Carolina. They're on the Oceans course. And, uh, you know, you look at last year's PGA Championship and Colin Morikawa was able to pull that one off and get his first career major win. And I know Rory's the favorite. And, you know, if I had to pick anybody right now, I'd, I'd lean towards Rory, as I mentioned earlier. Same with Jordan Spieth, the way that he's played uh, as of late. But you, you look at this new group of young golfers, whether it's your Victor Hovlins or Matthew Wolfs of the world, um, they're going to get theirs soon. And, you know, I, I feel like when I say that, I, I'm talking about this year. I think that we see some of these younger guys, um, you know, and even then, like Morikawa, his second major championship is probably going to be coming soon. Bryson DeChambeau, his second major championship probably going to be coming soon here. Um, we, we've talked for a long time when it comes to golf as far as the next era, the next generation of golfers. But now they've arrived. Now – here they are going to start winning these major championships more quick, frequently here. I, I would say that if it's not Rory or Speed, Tom, I, I think it's that next group of young guys will get theirs. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's, it's kind of weird how golf works sometimes like that. It's, it's obviously there's not a draft class, you know, that we can rank a draft class like we can in all the other sports, major sports. Uh, but it, it, it it's kind of like a draft class. It just takes a while to figure out who was actually even in the draft class. Uh, I mean, obviously Rory and speed kind of came out of one generation of golf of golf's draft class. Uh, and, you know, Hovland and Wolf and, and a few others are, you know, coming into this, I, I guess you could say coming into their own. Um, so it is interesting to see because it takes a little bit longer. I, you know, to anticipate who's going to be who, and if they can keep that consistency up. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, looking at here's your past winners of the PGA Championship that be involved. Um, Rich Bean, Keegan Bradley, uh, John Daly. Always great when John Daly comes back for the PGA Championship. Uh, I cracked up so much a couple of years ago when uh, uh, John Daly, he had his injury in the PGA Championship in a Belle Reve in St. Louis they allowed him to have a golf cart and he was drinking tea from McDonald's and smoking cigarettes on his golf cart at the PGA championship. Uh, John Daly doesn't get much better than that. Uh, Jason Day, Jason Duffner, uh, Barrig Harrington, Martin Keimer, Brooks Kepka, Roy McElroy, Sean uh, Michael, Phil Mickelson, Morikawa, as we mentioned, VJ Singh, Justin Thomas, Jimmy Walker, and Yang Young, 
uh, in ooh, uh, are the uh, ones, the uh, past champions of this that have all done this before. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, Brooks Kepka, uh, to me, this is an interesting time for him of coming back from that injury as quickly as he did. You know, everybody talked about that he was going to be gone about six months, that he was probably going to miss the first couple of majors of the year. Goes to the Masters, gets that done. Now he's a month removed from the Masters here. He's won the PGA before, won it a couple times actually here. If, uh, if Brooks Koepka's at full strength, uh, watch out. There's another one of those young guys that, that's hungry that when, when Brooks is at his best, if he's 100% healthy, I don't think there's a better golfer in golf right now than Brooks Koepka when he's at his best. But it all comes down to if, he is, if he's completely there or not. That remains to be seen. Not another better golfer and not another golfer that is boring as Brooks Koepka. I mean – you know, I'm, I'm sure when they said, you know, boxing had its resurgence and, and things like that, I'm sure golf thought the same thing with some of these new players. I mean, what a Kawhi Leonard of the, of the PGA. I'm sure Kawhi and Brooks would get a just along just great. You know, I thought that initially, too, with Brooks, um, that he was kind of boring and unentertaining of sorts. But the last couple of years, he, he's really come into his own and uh, brought more enthusiasm and more energy of sorts. So um, the, the other thing with, with him was that what pissed off the PGA and some of these others was that, you know, they have these, you know, these celebrations, these ceremonies, the late night TV interviews, and he didn't want to do any of that. He just wanted to golf. Now he's really getting more acclimated. Uh, I know that he's been involved with Barstool and such, doing stuff with the party, like take guys and like that. So uh, I, I would say Brooks is starting to feel more to his own in that sense. Uh, Phil Mickelson in this, we talk about the younger guys. Phil is uh, an interesting one in that Phil has, was playing so bad. Um, you know, his age showing the last you know couple of years. The Masters – put up a very respectable performance here um, with no Tiger involved and Phil playing better at the Masters here. Um, it, it, it sounds bizarre, but is Phil Mickelson the, the name to watch? Is he going to be the one that could potentially move the needle without Tiger to, to still have to make it an interesting weekend of some sorts? I bet if Phil is competitive, then there'll be some people that tune in that want to tune in otherwise. Not the Tiger effect of sorts, but um, if Phil can compete, that certainly would be good, I think, for all parties involved here to see Phil give it another go of some sorts after uh, having a, a decent run there at the Masters. Yeah, I mean, I, every time I see Phil play well or kind of start to get on a streak or – Always, you, you can't not root for Phil Mickelson. Oh, I, I mean, he, I feel like he's one of the, the guys that would be hardest to hate. Right? Yeah. I've um, never heard anybody say, nah, I don't like Phil. Right. Uh, the, the knock on Phil was that he was a, a choker, a choke artist of some sorts. But, I mean, you could have said the same thing about how many of these guys have to compete against Tiger every week and such and the – 
intimidating fact that Tiger brought along. So I, I don't think that's a fair thing to say about Phil Mickelson, but uh, I love Phil. I don't know how much longer we're going to get to see Phil either. I mean, he uh, he's already trying to be courted by CBS and NBC to be an analyst and get some nice money there, and he's getting up there in age too. I, I'm just enjoying seeing Phil be out there on uh, the, this type of stage for these type of uh, events uh, at this point. Um, another thing uh, about this uh, PGA Championship that I mentioned with Tom earlier was that – the PGA Championship has been kind of, traditionally speaking, the forgotten major, the one that's, you know, put to the wayside of, of the four. But the way that they've promoted themselves the last few years with the tournaments they put on, uh, getting to see firsthand Brooks Kepka holding off a charging Tiger Woods to win back in, you know, 2018 and, you know, last year coming down to the wire and Colin Morey Caldwell pulling that off and such and, and uh, everything that went into that here. Um, credit to the PGA championship for making themselves relevant to be a big part of the conversation. You know, Tom, we're looking forward to the PGA being in Tulsa here in a couple of years and how big that deal is going to be to be in Southern Hills and such. There's new life. There's new energy to the PGA championship and being in May too, I think certainly helps. This will be only the second time um, that, you know, in the last recent years, last year was moved back to, due to the pandemic, but to have it in May before it gets too hot, August, you know, you, you try playing Southern Hills in August, you're, you're going to be just drenched in sweat walking outside. Playing this PGA Championship being the second major of the year, putting it in the month of May, I'm all here for it. Uh, I'm excited about what they're doing with the PGA Championship uh, in its direction going forward. This, this major's got new life that it hasn't had before it's as big now as it's ever been I, I would say yeah I'd agree with that but to be fair you mentioned May May is a perfect month for it in Oklahoma but if they said hey Tom you can play Southern Hills but it's heat index is 120 and it's August 15th I'm still getting out there and playing Southern Hills right I think uh, a lot of people would, would say the same thing and and still be great to have, uh, you know, major championship golf uh, that time, you know, any time of year. Uh, but if, if you make me pick a month, uh, I'll take May to be that month for sure. But certainly looking forward to the uh, PGA Championship coming up next week. And I would appreciate Tom Martin for stopping by earlier and giving us the uh, rundown of that. Uh, NBA playoffs. Now, if the NBA playoffs started today, the Lakers would be in the play-in game. And when we were talking to you on last week's show, one of the things that we mentioned was that, you know, hey, this play-in game, you know, it's, it's built up just as something to, you know, make a little extra money to make these advertisers and the TV partners happy. It's not really necessary, okay? Well, now you got the Lakers in it, and they'd be taking on the Warriors, now you got my attention. Now I'm intrigued by this. Now, let me, let me say that, you know, I, I still think the thing doesn't need to happen, that um, it, it's not a, a necessary thing. But um, my intrigue certainly has, uh, has been raised uh, to see this happen. If the Lakers fall into this playing game, if we see the Lakers involved here, um, sign me up. I'll, I'll go ahead and – 
and uh, throw in the towel and say, okay, maybe I was wrong about this playing game. It would be my dream to see the Lakers somehow end up in this playing game, lose, and get sent home. Um, maybe that's too much to ask, but that that's what I'm hoping for at this point, Tom. I'll, uh, I, I, if, if the Lakers get sent home because of the playing game, okay, that's fine with me if we have this playing game then. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure for this, it's it's – I don't know if you would call it nightmarish for the league or not, but, um, you know, I don't think they anticipated the Lakers and the Warriors having to play a play-in game. I mean, if they had it their way, they would both be permanent in and, and be playing, you know, not in the play-in, but just already secured an actual playoff spot. But it does make it a little interesting, and if that's the way the cookie crumbles, then I'm sure the league will try to take advantage of it if I'm – I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm right, but the Lakers would only need to win one, whereas the Warriors would have to win two in a row. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that's, that is correct. Right. And then the other teams that are – if I know, obviously, follow them like a religion. If um, the Spurs beat the Nets tonight or if the Pelicans lose to Dallas, the Spurs will secure one of those play-in spots. Um. So, and this is be the last, I believe this is the last week of the regular season. So everything coming down to that wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad if the Warriors, you know, took out the Lakers and sent LeBron and, and, and crew home. That would be pretty sweet. I would, and not to mention devastating for LeBron. You think, I mean, you think he would, he wouldn't hang it up. Um, and I don't want him to hang it up, but you would think he would be pretty disappointed in, in thinking the L.A. experiment only, you know, got him one ring out of the deal and time to move on to acting, considering Space Jam 2 uh, is due to release, I think, this summer or maybe in August. Yeah, uh, well, August would be a part of summer. But, um, you know, I think the league really – hopes that the uh, the Lakers find a way to get out of this mess. I mean, the, the league is rooting on the, the Lakers, as you can imagine. Um, they don't want to see them get eliminated and go home early, but it would be highly entertaining to see the Lakers uh, get sent packing uh, this quick. And, you know, we, we've talked for, for quite some time about, you know, hey, this Lakers team, they have – some injury issues, just some things they're going through, but they're going to turn it up, turn it up at the right time. And, you know, that, you know, it, just give them time to figure it out and, you know, get healthy and all that. And they're going to be okay. Well, the, the clock is winding down now. I mean, we're at the 11th hour. If the Lakers don't turn it on now, I mean, that's just it. I mean, it is not a stretch to think that the Warriors could beat them and then they could lose the next game to who is it, you know, the, the Mads or the Spurs or whatever it may be, um, you know, in that other playing game, the Grizzlies. I mean, that's not a far-reaching scenario of the Lakers not only being in the play-in game but being sent home here, Tom. That's not a, a crazy possibility. I mean, it's – uh, it's not the most likely scenario, but it certainly could happen. That's not a reach. No, I don't think it's a reach either. And especially the way the Warriors have been playing, pretty sure on back-to-back nights, they've beat two of the top teams in the NBA. Um, so with that being said, I, I mean, not only do you not want to play in the play-in game, but if you have to, you definitely don't want to play the Warriors. I don't. 
Yeah. Um, now, at the top of the Western Conference, Utah and Phoenix are still there. And, you know, the way those two teams are playing, are you, are you ready to buy into Utah or Phoenix yet to win the West, or do you still have another team in mind at this point, Tom? I, I'm, I'm getting closer and closer to uh, liking, liking Utah. I like Utah more than I do Phoenix, but I'm not ready to completely buy in. I would still lean towards the Clippers at this point to be the team that wins the West, if you made me pick. Yeah, if I had to pick, I would probably say the Clippers as well. And then maybe Utah second. Utah feels a lot like Denver did or has. I mean, they're one and the same. I mean, granted, they are at the top, but uh, it just doesn't – I guess it doesn't feel right. And, you know, maybe I'm biased, obviously, but it doesn't feel right. And and Phoenix definitely damn sure doesn't feel right. A lot of people are picking them to get bounced out in the first round. I don't know that that will happen. Uh, but to see Phoenix is not getting out of the West. I'll put money on it. Okay. Fair enough. You've heard it first. Uh, Phoenix not going to uh, get out of the West there. Uh, from uh, Thomas Bridges. Let's uh, look at the uh, Eastern Conference now, the Eastern Conference scenario of these uh, play-in games. Uh, Boston, Charlotte, Indiana, and Washington. Um, Listen, Washington's got one of the best players to ever play the game in Russell Westbrook playing uh, some incredible basketball right now. Um, I know that Washington – you know, has a losing record, you know, they're at 32 and 37. But I still think, Tom, that's a dangerous team to be your your last seed for the play-in. Washington, you know, we, we've, we've seen what Russell Westbrook is capable of, just passing Oscar Robinson and, and doing, you know, what he does. It only takes one night here. I mean, that's a, that's a dangerous team for any of those three to possibly uh, be sent home. I mean, that makes for – an exciting play in tournament if Washington is that team there at that 10 seed. I mean, for what it's worth, the Wizards just recently came off of an eight win, eight game win streak. So, you know, I, I can't name the teams that they beat, but I'm sure there's got to be a solid one in there somewhere. Um, so not out of the realm of possibility. And, and, you know, Russell Westbrook probably has something to prove. Uh, at least he's been playing like it. Um, so I wouldn't want to face the Wizards, uh, to be honest, either. Uh, not as much as I wouldn't want to face the Warriors. I and mean, the Wizards can be beat, and so can the Warriors, to be fair. But um, I'll take, I would still take Steph Curry over Russell Westbrook. And that's no diss on Russell Westbrook, but I guess I'd probably take the Warriors as a whole over the rest of that Wizards team. Yeah. Um, with Boston, there's that seven seed. No Jalen Brown. He's out for the rest of the year. How much is that going to affect Boston not having Jalen Brown there, you think? I think it affects them quite a bit. I think that's a huge blow. I think that's as big of a blow to Boston. Maybe maybe not. Maybe I'm overstepping here, but I'm going to say what I was going to say, and I'll step back. I was going to say Jalen Brown being out is as big of a blow to Boston as Jamal Murray is for Denver. But maybe Denver, Jamal Murray maybe holds a little bit more weight. That being said, this is the time for Jason Tatum to either put up or shut up. Um, a lot of people, you know, he's he's been playing well. I'd love to have him on the Spurs. 
Um, but a lot of people say he's, he's waiting for that breakout, that takeover. Uh, and I think he's got to do it now. I, I agree. Uh, I'm there with you. And you look at this Boston Celtics team, Tom, being the seventh seed and, you know, things not going the way they would have liked. If they don't get very far in this postseason, um, what about Boston's future? This was supposed to be the team that had all the cards to, you know, dominate the East for a long time, all those draft picks, and what do you have to show for it? Nothing. Um, if this doesn't work out for Boston, is it time to blow it up and try to, uh, you know, do this over again, make some massive changes of sorts, or do you go ahead and ride it for another year, or is it too soon to say right now? I think it may still be a season too soon to say. I mean, you know, at first they bring in Kyrie and they have Gordon Hayward and then Gordon Hayward goes down and then they try again and you have the emergence of uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Now Jalen Brown goes down, but you still have Kimba. Uh, I mean, you know, I it, just little minor breaks. And I'm not saying that Gordon Hayward would have made all the difference because there was a lot of hype there. And I'm not saying Jalen Brown's making all the difference in Boston not succeeding. They are in the East. Granted, you have the Nets there who seem like a surefire lock. Uh, I've seen some crazier shit happen. Um, but if, if you gave me a thousand imaginary dollars to bet on who's going to make the Western Conference, I'm doubling or the Eastern Conference finals and into the finals. I'm doubling down a thousand imaginary dollars right on the Nets. Uh, even money. I'm 110% putting it down. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the Nets are the obvious choice at this point. And I would say, too, not just for the, the East, but just to win the whole title at this point. The, the whole NBA championship runs through the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets right now based on the, how crazy everything is in the West. Right, and, and – I could see the Nets flying through it, or you know, maybe I could see them struggling just a bit in one series, and then and then finishing finishing the rest of the East off. At least you would think. You would think maybe Kevin Durant sold the soul of the devil, and they'll lose in seven in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Indiana Pacers. Who knows? Um, uh, one more thing on the uh, on the East, uh, the Heat. Starting to catch some fire, but Victor Oladipo is about to have season-ending surgery here. Um, what do you make of the Heat? Uh, I, I don't think that they can go very far without Oladipo here. I, I, I know they're playing better now, but to me, that, that's kind of the, the, the end for Miami. What say you, Tom? Yeah, I think so, too. And, uh, you know, they had a great run, obviously, last year. And, and now it's almost like a uh, – almost like a, uh, a finals appearance hangover. Um, we, I expected a lot more out of the Heat this season uh, than what we got. They tried, you know, Pat Riley and Spolster tried to finesse a few things and went out and got Victor Oladipo. Now he gets hurt. Um, I'm not expecting a whole, whole lot from the Heat. But, I mean, that said, I wasn't last year either. But I, I feel a lot more confident in saying not expecting a whole lot out of the Heat this year yeah i agree um last week the regular season i know that you and i have been saying for a few weeks that the uh mvp is uh jokic 
and it belongs to him. It's his to lose. Um, I haven't seen anything change my mind on that. I, I think, Tom, this thing's about wrapped up. Uh, in any way that Jokic doesn't win MVP now? Uh, I would be shocked if he didn't. I mean, there would have to be. I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he could mess up bad enough to to ruin it. I don't. I think he's far enough away that if he just even plays decent, um, I don't think anybody else could just play spectacular unless someone, you know, drops eighty one. Um, I heard uh, anybody close to him. There, there is some people trying to make a case for Chris Paul to be MVP, similar to when Steve Nash won the MVP a couple times with the Suns. But uh, what, what Steve Nash was doing with that Suns teams is far better and more impactful than what Chris Paul has done with these Suns teams, this Suns team. Chris Paul's doing a good job, but he's not even close to playing the level what Steve Nash was. Those MVPs that Steve Nash won were earned. Um, I, I thought that he was the best player those years that he won the MVP. I know that I might be in the minority when I say that. Those I, I didn't have a problem with those MVPs those years. But to me, I, I, I just don't see them comparable here, Tom. No, neither do I. And, and not a knock on Chris Paul. He's been playing great um, and has for several years, and he's just crafty. And maybe some of the allure is – him getting the Suns where they are, and he, to be, I mean, it's got to be fair to Devin Booker. He hasn't done it by himself, um, but to get the Suns team where they're at, I mean, I get, I get the allure behind. Oh, Chris Paul MVP, uh, but but at the same time, are you would the Suns trade Chris Paul for Jokic straight up? Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and that's not even the the victory point that I'm trying to make there. It's just Jokic has had an outstanding season. So is Chris Paul. But Jokic is a lot more important to his team than Chris Paul is to the Suns. Yeah, that's a fair point. Well well said there. Uh, Tom, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. A lot of stories to choose from, but there can only be one. Where shall we head to this time? Jones, we're going to the fast food industry. Um, and I would say closer to the top of the fast food industry. And, you know, here this week, we've been talking about shortages of gas. Um, well, Jones, it doesn't only go for gasoline. It's also going for dipping sauce shortage. Uh, article reads sauce shortage, Chick-fil-A limiting dipping sauces due to shortage. Yes, this is news. Nashville, Tennessee. Filet will now limit the number of dipping sauces each customer receives at restaurant locations due to an industry-wide shortage. The popular restaurants sent an email to customers explaining the new guidelines. Due to industry-wide shortages, we are currently limiting the number of sauces provided. One sauce per entree, two sauces per meal, three sauces per 30-count nuggets. We apologize for the inconvenience and appreciate your understanding as we work through this. See you soon, Chick-fil-A. Customers will now get one sauce per entree, like I just read, two sauce per meal, three sauce per 30 count. Chick-fil-A representatives said they apologize for the inconvenience and appreciate customers' understanding. Chick-fil-A does sell its sauces at select grocery stores and retailers nationwide, and all the proceeds will go toward a scholarship initiative for employees. Jones, I've recently seen the Chick-fil-A sauce and the Polynesian at Reesers and at Walmart. Um, 
I don't think this is a big of a deal. I can't tell you the last time I went to Chick-fil-A. Granted, I've been on the 75 hard stuff, which ends on Saturday. Thank God. Turned up Tom. We'll probably be back next next episode of this show. Um, but that being said, I mean, you can one sauce. I mean, I guess really the question is here, Jones. How many sauces do you ask for when you go through Chick-fil-A? So believe it or not, um, I, I like Chick-fil-A and I like their sauce. But all I need is maybe one or two packets of Chick-fil-A sauce. That's it. I don't need a whole lot of Chick-fil-A sauce. And I'm not dipping my fries or that in it. I'm just dipping the, the nuggets and calling it a day there. Uh, you know, I, their, their barbecue sauce I've had before, it's fine. I, 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 the, the Polynesian sauce, not my favorite. But just the Chick-fil-A sauce, just give me a packer or two. We can make that work. I don't need uh, a bunch of packets of the Chick-fil-A sauce. So I'll be fine. I'll make do with just a, a couple of them. Uh I think I'm going to be okay. I will survive this uh, this shortage of the Chick-fil-A sauce. I mean, they, they don't even have the best sauce, Tom. The best sauce is Raisin Cane's. That, that cane sauce is far superior compared to the Chick-fil-A sauce. I do like the Polynesian. I do like cane sauce, too, but I do like the Polynesian. I, every time I go to Chick-fil-A, I get, I get either two things. I get spicy chicken sandwich... The spicy chicken deluxe with pepper jack and lettuce and side of waffle fries. Or I get 12 count nuggets with waffle fries. Sometimes I get, I mean, here late at the beginning of the 75 hard, I was getting the, I would, I was just going through there and getting the 12 grilled nuggets. Pretty, pretty solid, pretty sustainable. Um, and then getting the buffalo sauce with that. But I don't think I've ever asked for more than two sauces if I'm just ordering for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just have one or two sauces and call it a day. Now, I've had times where they've given me like five sauces when I didn't ask for that. And uh, now I feel bad that I probably just threw them away, the ones I didn't eat. Now there's some shortage here of sorts. But you don't hear... Raising Cane's saying that they have a shortage of their sauce. I mean, no, they just keep going. They they not only have a better tasting sauce, but they don't have a shortage here. So I love Chick-fil-A. I love that Jesus chicken that they have. Um, you know, they're good people. They do good work. Um, but, I mean, this is pretty amateur to be having a shortage of the, uh, the sauce here. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's odd, you know. I'm mean, I wonder what's causing the shortage. I wonder if it's the ingredients available for the sauce, or I wonder if it's the available packaging for the sauce, the foil tops. Yeah, I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's, is uh, it related uh, you know, to for gas? those of you out there that follow. Is it related to the gas? Well, yeah, they can't. They can't ship the sauce to the location. That I mean, maybe so. But then again, they have the sauce at Walmart. So if you like Chick-fil-A sauce that much, or if you like Polynesian as much as I do, you can just go buy a whole freaking gallon of it at Walmart and cover yourself with it and rub yourself down with Polynesian and, you know, run out in the streets if that's what you want to do. Go take a uh, bath. Go take a bath in that Polynesian sauce. I can't imagine that would be good for your pores. Um, but 
you know, if you love it that much, then it's there for you. I mean, Jones, to be honest, probably my favorite condiment of all time across all fast food locations. It's going to be the spicy ketchup from Whataburger. And I like it so much. I saw it at Walmart one day. I picked up a bottle of it. And I don't even make fries at the house. But I like the spicy ketchup so much. I just said, hmm, I got to have it. Shout out Whataburger. Now, we, we love Whataburger around here. Um, you know, they they, uh, they they pay the bills around here. So uh, even though I'm not a ketchup guy, I'm not going to say anything bad about the uh, spicy ketchup at a Whataburger. Um, but the, the raisin cane sauce, um, you know, Tom, I think that people that go to the raisin canes, they, they have in that box combo and all their menu options, that coleslaw. Does anyone actually order the coleslaw when they go to raisin canes? I think everyone, I I saw you got some flack for that on Twitter and I'm like, you know what? Believe me here. Coleslaw. Coleslaw is the worst. (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. About coleslaw. Um, yeah, I mean, coleslaw can get the smoke like Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan eats coleslaw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, coleslaw. You, coleslaw. You order coleslaw, you can take that coleslaw and shove it up your ass. Coleslaw <laughs> is the worst side imaginable. I like KFC. By far. I like KFC's coleslaw, but I don't like Raisin Cane's coleslaw. I don't like how they do coleslaw there. I think everyone will never catch me ordering slaw. I think everyone I know will sub out that coleslaw for either extra cane sauce, another piece of toast, or extra fries. And personally, if I'm going to Cane's, Tom, I'm getting the extra fries. Yeah, 100%. There's no way... Even if I went to any restaurant and they said, listen, we got your burger, we got your chicken, whatever it is. They said, sorry, we're out of fries and everything else. All we got is coleslaw. I'll be like, you can keep this shit. <laughs> Honestly, I hate coleslaw that much. I hate coleslaw almost as much as I hate potato salad. I might catch some flack on the salad, potato salad. Nobody's giving me heat over coleslaw just because it's the the most inferior of the sides what what do you have against potato salad i'm just not a fan i get it i'm not the majority now i'm just not a fan there's two big types of potato salad there's the mustard potato salad and there's the mayo potato salad you already know how i feel i like the mayo kind the mustard's not my favorite you know how I feel about mayonnaise. Absolutely not. Not a chance in hell. If I'm going to eat it, it's going to have to be the mustard. But other than that, there's, you won't ever catch me with coleslaw. You won't ever catch me with mayonnaise potato salad. And you really won't even catch me with mustard potato salad. But you damn sure won't catch me with coleslaw. Never. Oh, man. Maybe uh, we're going to have to sneak up on you one of these days and, and uh, surprise you with some uh, coleslaw potato salad. Disguise it as something else. I'll just have to cover you in spicy ketchup. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what, what, before we go, do you, you want to leave us with, with anything else on, uh, on coleslaw? One more thing about the folks of, of your, uh, your hatred of coleslaw. I, I think I've said my piece on coleslaw. I mean, if I ever started a fast food chain or even a restaurant for that matter, you're not finding slaw at my location. <laughs> and that's a guarantee right there. 
no coleslaw. We are an anti-coleslaw podcast from this day forward. The Phoenix Suns eat coleslaw. <laughs> yes. Chris For Paul. that reason, they're not making it out of the West. That's why Chris Paul's not getting the MVP. He eats coleslaw. Jokic does not. <laughs> there we go. Problem solved. On that note, we got to go. Big thanks to Tom Martin for stopping by, as well as uh, Brian O'Connor. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live. Uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at uh, Thomas underscore Bridges at TJ Media Group. Instagram, Jones, uh, Jones underscore Report. Tyler Jones Live at Instant Thomas. And uh, we'll be right back here next week. And we will look forward to seeing you again for Thomas Bridges, Brian O'Connor, Tom Barton, our entire crew of Tyler Jones. So long. There's been another edition of Jones Sports. See you next week.